0: i imagine
1: that right now you're feeling a bit like alice tumbling down the rabbit hole Hmm? you could say that i can see it in your eyes you have the look of a man who
0: accepts what he sees because he's expecting to wake up oh, hi.
1: Welcome to Team Revital Edition 278 with Devon Dur, Touched by the Angels. Author, intuitive, Reiki master, Cancer. Join the team as we get to know Devon, an amicable mystic checking in from Texas that can give us the inside scoop on angels, animals, energies, and more. Welcome and well met, Devon.
2: Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited and love the intro, by the way. Love it so much. <laughs>
1: Jim, you gotta unmute yourself, or we have some more connectivity issues oh, no, from no. Costa Rica. Gotta, no, there connectivity
3: always—it's—it's it's shit out here. Uh, I mean, it's beautiful, but the internet is not Tokyo. Let's put it that way. Um, I was saying we had all those uh, kind of discussion about the song. We never really talk about it, so I can't even attribute it. But Rafael has written who it's by. I think it's cool. I thought he—I knew he organized it, but you know like a fart in the wind that could just be very uh, out there and distracted. Anyway, I just, I digress. Uh, so this is episode 278 um, that reduces down to eight, I think. Let me check my mental math really quick. Um, so that's the strength card. I face my fears with the strength of love and patience. Strength is about trusting yourself, letting your inner endurance shine, using your power to embrace the amazing person within and you have everything within you you need to succeed Raphael, what card viewpoint
1: okay oh very nice this is the empress so number three we have beauty happiness pleasure success luxury Every kind of love, attraction, sensuality, fertility, and creation a new world indeed.
3: <laughs> so, two major arcana cards that's pretty cool. Um, uh, and if you want to pull a card, feel free, Devin. No pressure, we never really asked people to do that, but you got cards.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm happy pull to pull a card because I love them. Um, while yeah, you're doing I love that,
3: them. oh, we go ahead. Let's see, let's see what, you, what's, what you're going to add to the mix, and then we can kind of talk about it. Because I know the full moon in Libra is coming up, and that's very Empress card yes. energy, uh, though it's not necessarily a Libra card. Um, and you do have an 8th house Leo, Mercury conjunct Jupiter we are just discussing. So the fact that Strength came out, it's like, makes sense to me. Um, but anyway, uh, the conscious is yours. Feel free to pull whatever. And after that, kind of wax however long or short you want on any sinks or resonances from the two cards yeah. and then we'll
2: kind of add yours to this. The sure. Absolutely. I pulled the page of air. It's an angel cards, the angel tarot deck. And, um, it's talking about logical, honest, impulsive, curious, um, truth delivered without tact. So, um, you know, that I've, I have seen some of that starting to happen already as we get towards the full moon. <laughs> so i um, interested to hear your take on the energy earlier, but I can certainly resonate with the net number for this episode as well as the card Raphael pulled.
3: I think of us naturally as a page of swords, Rafa. I don't know about you. I mean it kind of feels like, you know, uh like people at the battlefield like the drummer boy or like the kid with the slingshot in the trees or something. It's like we're not gonna kill anybody, but we're still here and doing it. So um yeah, interesting. It's kind of petulant, whatever energy kind of trickster energy, but hopefully we get our stuff right. The moon, I don't think it's in Virgo anymore. I have a look, I think it just exited it and it's in probably uh, Scorpio. Moving into Libra
2: already. Yeah.
3: Uh, but uh, I mean Libra. Um, in any event, cool. So you got the page of swords um, with page the beauty error, card. Yeah. Page of air, Page of swords. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. Um What angel okay. was
2: that corresponding with? This uh, is uh, this one. This one is not. I mean, this like, this oh, is just oh, part oh, of right. the Angel Tarot deck. Yeah. So it's not corresponding directly with one. Although I do think of Archangel Uriel when I think of speaking and throat chakra stuff. Um, so yeah,
3: does that have any correlation to Ariel and the whole like keep singing, like uh, Disney's Little Mermaid? I mean, you know, obviously, I Ariel isn't Ariel, but now that you say that, I'm like.
2: No, so I know uh, the archangel Ariel. I uh, is actually another angel uh, energy that people connect with, um, and she's known for uh, actually being really well at working with wild animals and things. So there might have been something going on there with the Little Mermaid Ariel and that archangel energy there. I don't know. That's I don't work with that angel a lot or that energy, as as you might say. It we'll get into a little bit of that too. Um, but so Uriel is U R I E L. And that's an archangel I work with um, and works well with speakers, writers, any type of communication. So working with you guys as well, I'm sure.
1: Then while we're at it, and since you've been using angel cards, the cards I'm using are by the Wizard of Oz, a dear friend of mine, magician, dare I say. And he's also done uh, an angel deck and just released the 10th anniversary edition. Mm-hmm. I was just like, just very briefly want to show yeah. a few pictures. Yes. They're also made... Um, Basically yeah. Basically with incense, and then you know you get all kinds of etheric entities, and you mirror them, you animate it a bit, and it's really cool because you have all these wow. correspondences going on, you know. That's so, um,
2: I want that deck. Yes, definitely. Pretty it's nice. Just I out. Thought.
1: Oh yeah. Well, it has mm-hmm. been uh, had been released a few years prior, but now you basically get the 10th anniversary edition, oh, which okay. means that instead of the gold, you get the silver here. But it's like higher quality and like the first, uh, you know, larger quantity print. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm very happy, you know, to be participating in that. So yeah, it was. Yes. A I gotta show oh, you oh, if you like angels, because this deck doesn't exist yet. It's, it's based on the Shamham. Yafora or something, if Shem Haforesh, if I'm saying it correctly, the 72 angel names of God. It's like some kind of a medieval correspondence system. And it's put there because on on these cards, actually every angel also corresponds to a tarot card, which is pretty interesting. You know, so it's a whole, you know, interconnected system.
2: Yes, absolutely. That's what I believe. It's all interconnected. So whatever's resonating with us and calls to us is, you know, what I'm all about
3: kind of your, so. you see what you need to see at the same at the, at the time of the event. It's funny because he was saying there's 72 angels. And I know there's 72 uh, triangles. Of the Sri is kind of a thing for Hindu India uh, culture. Uh, and um, I'm pretty sure, though, I'm not into like Crowley and Thelma and stuff like that, but I'm pretty sure there's 72 angel names and then like corresponding demons. So it's like yang kind of thing going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but We could go down that rabbit hole a little later. Devin, uh, how I know you is from Coming on to, well, uh, I guess, once a month, um, with Christopher Rotecki, who's been on here. Shout out, Chris, is coming back on. Um, oh, yeah. He, I, I subscribe to his, uh, what is it, Serious Joy. Um, and listen Serious to that every Joy. day with my fiance. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun stuff, uh, very helpful for me, or helps me orient and gives a rhythm. He is such a uh, Mars and Pisces, though. It, sometimes I'm just like, oh my gosh. Um, I mean, it's progressed something else now, but I'm just like, my gosh, he's a sweetheart. Um, <laughs> But in any event, uh, so listening to Wateki, and obviously I came into contact with you probably a month or two ago, probably about two months now almost, um, when I was still in Colorado. You were doing the monthly kind of um, tag team readings, and uh, yeah, basically I kind of pitched to y'all, like, what am I doing, et cetera, et cetera, and I hadn't... Really tuned into you before. I, I don't really watch those shows, to be honest. Very often I have a lot of things going on. But when I was on it, I was like, "Well, I'm watching it because I'm on it." And uh, that's how I became aware of you. So um, I'm not exactly. I mean, it's not like we're you know like road trip buddies or anything like that. But you seem like fam already. You're really cool, and uh, I do appreciate what you said. Um, it was very helpful. Um, so you can take so- us back all the way to single cell, you know, amoebic days or whatever in utero. Um, but kind of give us an idea of how you've come to where you are. Like what kind of culture were you raised in? Were you always dealing with angels? Uh, was magic and kind of the new age stuff always part of your blood or have you turned on to this recently or you know, more recently? Um, we'll kind of start there and kind of work our way forward, if you will.
2: Oh, yes. I always love hearing people's origin stories because I think so many others can relate to it when they're just getting started with their awakening, or maybe they've been kind of slowly getting into it and they're not sure hearing other people's origin stories, I think can be really helpful. Um, So thank you for that. Yeah, I I was raised here in Texas, um, born and raised here. Uh, My parents are not native Texans, but my dad was here for most of his childhood growing up after moving from San Francisco. And then my mother's from up East, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area. Um, so I felt like I was able to experience, um, Texas in kind of a, the way I wanted to experience it way, so to speak. We're close to the Bible belt. Um, I was baptized Episcopalian Christian, uh, confirmed Christian in middle school, raised a Christian. Um, but it was also a very loving approach to it. We had some other families and friends that we saw it really kind of forced or, um, well, to quote, some people crammed down their throats. And so they didn't, they didn't get to experience a lot of the good parts of it. So I'm grateful that I was able to experience Christianity by just, you know, uh, embracing it in the way I wanted to. um, And really, Allowed to just experience God in my own way, and my dad was often fond of saying that he felt closest to God when he was out in nature, and I definitely related to that. I felt felt closest to God when I was with my animals. So I was raised with a lot of animals. We had cats, dogs, horses, even some deer occasionally cattle. Um, you never, you if something showed up, we were going to take care of it. Uh, my dad was always bringing home strays, handing them to my mom and saying, "Okay, you handle this," <laughs> and uh, she would always find them really good homes and everything. Um, so it was really fun because I had the opportunity to get to know a lot of animals and be around them a lot. And, um, I just always felt like they understood me. I, it's, I, you know, kind of going to the animal communication side, I would say between being around animals and feeling like they understood me and also feeling as though I understood them, um, that, that brought on this other side of spirituality for me, all along that I just kind of experienced out just being outdoors. I grew up riding horses, um, and you have to really develop a partnership with your horse. Um, we did, I did show jumping, so you have to have a lot of trust with your horse and and all that. And so you learn pretty quickly what they're going through and they learn to understand you if you're going to be a good partner. So that was a kind of a good experience for me, understanding the way we can communicate. Um, almost on a spirit you know like on a spiritual level i would say but also telepathically um for sure i had a lot of telepathic experiences with my animals and um just grateful that i was able to experience in that way um growing up and doing all that the other thing for me growing up is i always had really and i still do i always had really really vivid dreams and lucid dreams so um i was never able to totally buy into just the lock, stock and barrel, formal religion way of things. I always felt like, but but nobody can really explain this experience I had in my dream where I was somewhere I've never seen on TV. You know, I was a kid of the eighties. So we didn't even have cable growing up. It's not like I saw these things and then was manifesting them in my dreams. I was having experiences that nobody could really explain to me, but I knew they were real. And I, and I knew I was dreaming. Um, so I think maybe I, I'm interested to see your take on the chart thing, because I think that's a cancer thing, right? To, I, I still consider myself very much a student of astrology. Although I have a lot of teachers have been falling for years. I wouldn't, you know, sit down with somebody and say, here, I'm going to tell you about all your conjunctions and all the different things that are going on in your chart. I would just, I could give you kind of an overall, but I'm always interested to hear other people's takes on that, you know? So, um, I'll take so it the,
3: the over time. I was just looking at your uh, situation. I mean, you've got M- the moon conjunct Chiron and Taurus, um, in fifth house. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if you've ever been injured with these animals, like at a horse, like get kicked in the teeth or you know whatever. Um, but the fact uh-huh. that horses are said to be really healing, kind of therapeutic animals, and you being around uh-huh. that doesn't terribly surprise me. And and also you having the ability to uh, jam with them mentally. Uh, you have an eighth house. Jupiter can Mercury. I mean, you're psychic. Let's just put it that way, folks. She's not fucking around. She's like actually a dude at this stuff. So, I mean, everyone's psychic to a point, but some people are like so zapped in. Uh, you know, uh, I will, I'll, I'll glance at your chart periodically. I left my glasses upstairs. Sure. But um, it's funny because two things I'll just say briefly. Uh, I'm a Christian still. I mean, I'm kind of struggling with what that might mean. Um, astral projections and meeting Jesus and weird shit. My grandparents uh, helped start Tim Keller's um, church up in Manhattan, Redeemer Presbyterian. So, I mean, I get that the Christian faith has a lot of value. I like the intellectual side of that stuff. Um, it's not mm-hmm. just like Bible beating. Um, but, you know, it can happen even in like people are just like culturally into the thing and they don't understand the, the mystical or, you know, practical side of things. And it's just like, I don't want to go to hell or, you know, whatever. You know, I don't want to, whatever. Um, but it sounds like you've been kind of touched in a way by the, uh, softness of the spirit in a sense, like the Holy Spirit or however one wants to put that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like you weren't like bruised by it, which is nice because a lot of people, are, you know, become, you know, Marilyn Manson, you know, meth heads or whatever, because they were like, right. and it's like, well, you don't always have to go that hardcore the, page the other way. Right. But, um, and I'll say briefly, um, I was in, uh, I guess, Alabama, but the guy was from Texas. I've seen a horse whisperer. So to speak. Um, breaking in a horse it took like an hour or two or whatever and he the whole time he's talking about the gospel and kind of giving up you know like that's his like i guess evangelism technique but it was really fascinating because it's like you see something that does not trust anything and you know it's buck wild and then eventually it's like you know laying down or doing whatever it does uh, um while i was in alabama my grandma is down in pharaoh kind of on the bay there uh i once at, uh, like a few years back i was visiting and she had a friend who had horses and she's like oh you can feed them and I fed them carrots and stuff, but then I got to run in the field and have them run by me. And y'all, if you get a chance, uh run early. I mean, it, it taps into some primal shit real quick. Anyway, I'm rambling. But um horses are dope. I'm glad you're into animals. Um, yeah, I mean I'm I'm not really looking at your chart like hard hardcore. Um the PDF you sent me is great, but I'm like, okay, what's going on? Um, I mean your Saturn's conductor north and Virgo, you're here to like teach health and like it doesn't surprise me you're kind of dealing with wellness and spiritual wellness. But, um, anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, so no, were you cool. an only child. I didn't catch that. Like, were you, so, were and
1: you know, maybe just before you continue, um, Devin kindly turn down your microphone a little bit because it's a, a bit too, coming through too strong.
2: Okay.
1: Just so we can hear more of the, you know,
2: is that any better <laughs> doing way.
1: that? I guess I'm turning it back to a hundred here. Um, I think it should be fine.
2: Okay, I can check the audio Yes, over here. this is,
1: I think this is already somewhat better. Um, okay. So just briefly mentioning in terms of the horses, I have a dear friend also dealing with this. She was also horse riding, also then got hurt the way she mentioned quite synchronistically. And what I found really fascinating, which someone is not so aware of, is just as Jim said, the usual technique is to break in a horse, which basically means you're kind of subduing its will, which in some senses is like, oh my God, like what is this actually right. but there could also be another approach where i guess this is possible What's it, the you actually develop a real do? yeah well uh, where you develop a real relationship with the horse and the horse out of its own free will allows you to ride it which i would consider you know I mean, the other thing, even though it's normal, is kind Ideally, of like a foreign yeah, to right, me, right. but it's almost like the normal way we relate to animals or even to each other as human resources by now. Maybe there's something you'd like to mention about this, and then, you know, I'll let you go further into the chart and whatever you'd like you'd like to go.
2: No, that's an excellent point. I, I completely agree, because the thing about animals that I think a lot of people who aren't aware or maybe paying attention to is, you know, they, they are so aware of their energetic field that it can almost be seen as rude to them to step into their field without their permission. Um, so that's, you know, if you think about animals out in nature, if, if, if you try to get close to them, a lot of times they fly off or they run off because they're so in tune with that. And then you've got your more d- domestic animals they are kind of used to humans coming into their energy field, but they are just so in tune with everything going on. And and then also what's going on in the human's energy field. They can see it so clearly. And what I like about some of the methods, I think what you were talking about, Jim, is kind of like what the Monty Roberts theory is about the horse joining up with you in a, in a round pen. And it's kind of this um, herd mentality. And if you watch the herds, the Mustang herds and stuff, they have like the lead mare. And if there's, an, there's a, a young colt that's misbehaving, she will kick him out of the herd for a while. He, he goes in timeout and it's all in body language signals. All she has to do is twitch a ear and that in the other horses form a pack and that, colt is out until she says he's back in. And so there's this bond that is formed in the energy field there in the herd. And that's kind of what's going on in the round pin too, um, because you're building this this bond with the animal. And eventually you're inviting this animal to join up into your herd, which is basically inviting this animal into your energy field. And the the horse is circling your energy field until it feels like, okay, now I'm ready to go ahead and step in because I feel like I can trust. So there so to answer Raphael's question, I do think there's some really amazing methods for connecting with a horse that are gentle and loving. And um I don't think it is really referred to as breaking anymore the way it used to be. Um, because yeah, I agree with you. That word in itself is like breaking the horse's spirit. It's like yeah, who it wants to be gentle
3: uh, it was mostly just like, look, I mean it was like the strength card. This is an episode of the strength card. Uh it was done in a beautiful way. I didn't feel like that. I mean, I'm a vegan for fuck's sake. I don't think the animal was like in distress. It was more just like, all right, look, there's a there's a hierarchy here and you're gonna have to figure out how to fit into that hierarchy if we're gonna get along. And it kind of just forced that process to go faster. It wasn't so much like we're gonna, you know, castrate you and cause you all sorts of shock and terror. It was more like um get with the program, please, quickly or whatever. And I mean yeah. that just kind of happens. It's funny because in a sense, I mean, I don't know how you feel about um, in the Bible talks about, you know, humans will judge angels and all this kind of thing. But um, there's hierarchies, man. (laughs) So It's like, you know, uh, it's funny to me because in biblical stories, uh, when people see an angel, there are two things the angel pretty much does. It's like, don't, you know, don't freak out like, oh, my God, I'm a transdimensional being or whatever's going on. Like, don't freak, you know, shit your pants. And then uh, don't worship me. I'm not actually God. I'm a messenger. Like I'm, I'm here to tell you something on behalf of the divine, and don't get it twisted, kind of thing. So um, anyway, uh, let's let's jump back into your story. and We'll kind of keep plowing through it. But um, I don't. I didn't catch if you're an only child or not. And it doesn't really matter. I'm just kind of curious. Oh, no, I
2: stories. have a younger sister. I have a sister that's two years younger than me. She's a Libra, sun, Libra rising. <laughs> So, so
3: fun. I'm so sure she's fun. like, I'm a beauty pageant starlet. She <laughs> yeah,
2: she's so awesome. She's God. very determined. And yep. she's an attorney, so she knows how to balance things. <laughs> she's all about that air yeah. sign. <laughs> yeah.
3: Totally. justice scales. Um It's uh, one other thing I kind of wanted to get your opinion on, uh, I guess, before going forward is, uh, well, not your opinion. What part of Texas are you coming from? Because it's a big state. Uh, my dad went to Baylor. So, I mean, I kind of know the area. Um, San are Antonio. Down south, like near the coast. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, San Antonio, nice the
2: Alamo. Everybody thinks of the Alamo. <laughs> well, the
3: Riverwalk is what I think. Uh, am I thinking of for the oh, right yeah. place?
2: Yes, I love the Riverwalk, Riverwalk and then the Pearl yeah, Brewery. Yeah. If you haven't been to San Antonio in a while, you've got to come back and go to the Pearl Brewery, uh, which is at the end of the oh, Riverwalk. Right. They've totally oh. redone it. It's so fun. Really good oh. energy. Yeah. It's not a Word. brewery anymore, but there's some cool spots down there. It's, it's, oh, it's like shots and good. Yeah. It's fun to hang out. Good energy. Word.
3: When I was a kid, I uh, went to this Riverwalk or whatever, and I swear it was a surreal experience because, I mean, I was like, I mean, I was born in 85, so this must have been like 1990 or some shit. But uh, we're on the Riverwalk, I was like, that has to be Michael J. Fox in the next boat. Like, it was this doppelganger. I was so convinced. I was like, it's Michael Bay. I don't know if it was. He didn't have like an entourage or anything crazy, so it probably wasn't. But like, that's my memory of San Antonio it was like, oh, it's really,
2: uh, you know, you never know. You know. We have or, through, or, through like, here all the time. I don't know if you remember Henry Thomas. He grew up in San Antonio um, from E.T. And he there, there was also another movie he was in. Um, he's born and raised here. Um, we've got some several country music singers and some other actors. And Patrick Sweezy had a ranch out near here, not too far from here. And yeah, who knows? You might have seen him here visiting friends or something. <laughs> Very cool. Hanging yeah, the, the, the,
3: the is report. great. I'm sorry. And you guys call it San Antonio locals, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, a lot of people We're say San Antonio. And
3: but I think I've heard it. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Right. They do. Right, I, so you're
3: growing up in San Antonio. Go ahead.
2: Yes. And, you know, and you, some people ask me why I don't have more of a Southern accent. I think you can hear it sometimes, but with my mom g- growing up in Pennsylvania and then eventually New Jersey and my dad from California, I think that balanced it a little bit. We would go spend summers up at the Jersey shore and things like that. So maybe that balanced it, but I definitely can switch on my Southern accent and get into my Texas groove. So, so yeah, I went, uh, but I yeah. Okay. It, so it. There. Sorry. you can kind of hear it. Um so but going back to
3: Texas so I'm like don't don't worry we're not like <laughs> what the heck uh you sound like
2: I got it um so kind of going back to everything so growing up riding horses definitely what we were talking about with the spiritual connection I felt like my horses were my best friends that's where I went when I felt sad when I felt like I couldn't talk to somebody about something it, there was just something very very healing about being around my animals um I w- my parents allowed me to have my own cat when I was little, and then eventually my own dog. And um, my animals always found me. That was another thing that I found really interesting is um, I, my animals would pick me. I didn't necessarily go looking for them. It would just be like, you know, a stray that needed a home and we'd have an instant bond, something like something to that effect. And I always trusted that, the way they kind of entered my life like that. And that's kind of always been the case. Um, and then in middle school, I um, that's when I got my horse Honey, my thoroughbred, that was lifelong friend, very influential. One of the most telepathic experiences I ever had was with her. Um, but you mentioned getting wounded by an animal. Yes, I did in uh, fourth grade, get bucked off a, a horse and broke my arm. So that could have been it. But also, um, when I lost my horse, honey, uh, my senior year in college, it shifted my entire career path. I was so lost, and shaken by that. So I almost feel like that could be because it was it was a good thing. It shifted my career path. Um, But at the time it was, you know, very shaky. So um, in high school, I still was, you know, happy going to church with my grandmother and my parents, but I would also um, dabble in other faiths within the Christian thing because I had other friends. We have a heavy Southern Baptist population down here, um, a lot of Catholics and stuff. And I had friends that were in these different faiths and I wanted to learn about their faiths too. I I don't know why, I just always found it really interesting. Um, I didn't know until years later that I had a past life as a Hindu. That was one of the most influential lives. So I I guess I was kind of here to really research this a lot. Um, But one of the things that caught my attention was I joined an organization for my school that was run by a Southern Baptist minister. And in their faith, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but they talk about asking Jesus into your heart. It's It's a formal thing that you do. Right. Whereas in my faith growing up, I always kind of felt like that was what happened when you were baptized and then you kind of confirmed it. And I never felt like there was an actual date that I had to do it. I always felt like Jesus was with me. I, I felt you know, I didn't know until I was older that a lot of people didn't really know where to find God. I didn't actually feel like I had to go looking. You know, I felt like he was here in my heart. And they talk about the heart chakra and like asking Jesus into your heart. And years later, kind of understanding the the energy of Jesus and Jeshua, as a lot of people say, um, how much that energy is heart chakra based and, um, all that. So, you know, I definitely saw it as a regular part of my life, you know, spirituality and all that, but I definitely wasn't, you know, sitting in the church every single Sunday and Wednesday night and all that, you know, it was kind of, a, it was a flow, ebb and flow, so to speak. Um But then uh, my freshman year in college, I mean, sorry, my high school year, freshman year in high school, the summer after that, we uh, went on a missionary trip with this school organization. And, um, It was, you know, I was just telling a friend this the other day that, um, you know, I think I was going more because of the cute boys that were going on the trip initially, (laughs) because we were going to a Caribbean Island and all that. But I mean, I was excited about the process and I liked the group. Um, But this was kind of the beginning of my separation from a lot of the formal stuff, not, not at all disparaging it, but just me wanting to explore it on my own. Um, because we were asked to come up with a testimony where you talk about the day that you asked Jesus into your heart. And I was given a mentor to sit down with me and ask me questions to kind of pull that out of me. I was only 13 years old. So, you know, you got to guide a kid on how to get up in front of a group of people and give your big testimonial. And, um, so she was Asking me questions. And at one point she said, um, Why do you think God put you here on earth? Why do you think He allowed you to be born? And I remember thinking, you know, that it was a little bit of an odd question. It, for, for some reason, it, I thought the question was odd. And then I paused and I was like, I felt like this knowing, like I know the answer to this, but I don't know it yet. And so I said that to her. I said, I don't know. I know I came here to do something, but I don't know what it is yet. And she looked at me kind of like, who do you think you are? What makes you think you're so special? You know? And I was, I was kind of embarrassed. I was like, Oh, she thinks I'm, I sound like a little brat. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'm so special, which, you know, I believe absolutely everybody is special and everybody is here for a reason But how do you articulate that as a 13 year old to an adult? What
1: would have been an appropriate or expected uh, answer?
2: I think the appropriate answer was to learn how to worship God and serve God and um, understand that Jesus died for our sins and and to serve others. And um, really, um, a very fear, it should have been a more fear based, um, like I'm not worthy answer of being here. Is that yeah. resonating? Oh, wow. Centers wow. in the hands wow. of an angry god. <laughs> kind of thing.
3: Um, yeah. Well, it's funny because you are a Capricorn rising, so it doesn't strike me. I mean, I don't know what this lady was, and who knows? Maybe you guys are you know, enemies to past life or whatever. But uh, I think Capricorn risings could come off very sure and, like, professional. And I think maybe she was like, oh, shit. You know, that could have been it, too.
2: Uh, yeah, that's a
3: good point. like a boss
2: lady. Uh, I didn't feel um, sure anyway, at all. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> The only thing I felt sure about was I, I, I felt like there was something I hadn't figured out yet. That, that was like there was some kernel there that I felt I was born with. of There's something going to be revealed to me. You know, I did feel like it was in service of a higher power. I did feel that. I felt like it was in service of humanity and the world and animals. Um, I, at that point, I still wanted to be a veterinarian, um, and I ended up going into accounting. So kind of a totally different part of the brain and everything. But um, I I wanted to be of service and, and I wanted to feel close to God in whatever way. But for whatever reason, this wasn't resonating with me as the way I was supposed to do it. And so when we got to uh, this missionary trip, this Caribbean island, um, first of all, a lot of things were not did not happen the way we were told they were going to happen. For example, we were there to paint a church and we got there and the church hadn't been built yet. All the materials were all over the ground. (laughs) And so, which is okay. But I mean, it wasn't like it, we still had fun and it was amazing.
3: We're going to build it first, I
2: guess. Yeah, exactly. I just, I remember my dad, he was always very arm's length with religion and he's a Christian and, um, but he wasn't as much into the formality of it at that point. And he was like, Devin, you're going to get there and you're not going to open a single can of paint. And I was like, yes, we are dad. We're painting for Christ. You know, I had like my t-shirt on I was like all ready to go paint this church and we get there and all the materials are lying in this field. And I was like, boy, to wait till my dad hears this. He's going to laugh so hard. (laughs) So and the um, mental was,
3: image of the Ten Commandments where they have to uh paint the fucking Passover lamb's blood or whatever. It's like could have been worse. <laughs> you could have gotten really weird there. Um anyway, keep going.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a great trip. It was a really amazing experience. Met so many amazing people there, just really big hearts. Um, but there was this pivotal moment for me um where we were driving down these bumpy backcountry roads. And there was about 12 of us in a van, and we were headed to this big music festival where we were gonna sing about Jesus and save lives. That's what they talked about. How many lives are we gonna save tonight? Right. Cause you would go, you would give your testimonial and save lives. And so that's what we were doing. And we did that all the pretty much the whole trip. We'd go to different places and talk to people. But we're driving down this back road and it's starting to get kind of dark. And I looked down the valley and I can see this building that's lit up and it looks like it's got at least 250 people in there. It's just packed and you can see the lights coming out of every way of the building and they're standing in there and they look very focused on what they're doing. And the leader of our group said, do you see all those people down there to so the kids that was kids age, you know, 13 to senior year in high school, all in this van. And he said, you guys look down there. Do you see all those people? And we all looked, Oh yeah, I see them. And he said, they're all going straight to hell. And everyone was quiet. And he was like, they're Jehovah witnesses and they don't have the Lord and Jesus Christ in their heart. So they're all going straight to hell. It's turf and waters. I, was in the sitting in the middle of this van. I felt this just visceral surge. I literally felt like I heard a shouting of no, they're not. And to me, I would describe it as the energy of Jesus. Cause I felt in that moment, like I was being told that is false. Absolutely false. It was just this, it was so visceral. And I felt completely alone in the middle of that group. And after that, I, I was just like, Okay, I'm just going to start watching this behavior and I began noticing the conditioning and the way we were t- told to speak and the way we were told to behave and that we were being turned into sheep because as they talk about, you know, your flock, right? And so um they I that was a turning point for me when it came to just trusting I don't know historical word on a lot of this stuff and beginning to understand that maybe there's some lost in translation things going on. Um, and and so that was a big shift for me in high school. So, so moving forward, um, continued to do my horseback riding and just kind of had my own private relationship with a higher power and, you know, felt like, you know, I, I, I can feel comfortable being with my animals, being with God, trusting in Jesus's energy. I, I personally, when I feel like I'm connecting with Jesus, I feel a very physical energy. It's very different for me. And so I've never doubted that, that energy, but the, a lot of the wording and a lot of the ways that people use it, that I've seen it be used, maybe not in the highest interest of all. That's where I really started noticing all that, um, going off to college and then, um, went to college, um, and, I thought, really thought I wanted to be a teacher at this point. I had shadowed some veterinarians and realized I didn't really want to do that. I didn't like the work, um, but I kind of wanted to be a teacher. But everybody in my family went into business. Um, my dad was a, a CPA, um, uncle, several other family members. It's like, this is what you do. You do something in in business. Um, and I always loved numbers. Math was my favorite subject. So I went into accounting because it just it was the easiest for me. But I didn't really want to do it. Um, and then my the junior year in college, we had um, we had one a, a big accident at our school. Um, it was Texas A and M University. Um, it made national news, but not a, a lot of people knew that we had a big, we used to build these big bonfires and it fell. I think I've heard this, students. yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was. Well, I didn't it remember was, it,
3: but Aggies, right? The, uh, like think of the Horn Toads or something like that? Yeah, um, yeah,
2: Texas A&M. Yeah, and I loved yeah. their traditions. I loved, you know, I, I, I love my school. I, I'm really grateful I went there. But a lot of things happened in the semester leading up to when I did my internship for my accounting program. Um, and there were three things that happened that semester. A lot of people didn't realize, um, there was a plane crash with the Aggie skydivers that killed a bunch of kids. Then there was a, a situation where some kid, a uh, kid fell asleep and drove off the road at a party and hit a bunch of kids. I was supposed to be there that night. And, uh, some friends of mine actually did CPR on the kids that were hit. I mean, it was so I, I, that night, that was one of those points where you're like, Everywhere, everyone is where they're supposed to be because I just didn't feel like going that night. I remember my friend giving me a hard time, like, what? Come on, come out. And I was like, I just don't feel like it. And so that was the second thing. And then the third thing was the bonfire thing. So those three things happening in one semester really no, no, shook me. The bonfire is like,
3: sto- like many stories high. I'm pretty sure it's like pallets, right? Or crates or yes, something? Yes, it was huge logs
2: stacked. They called it a stack. And, um, And it was a weird thing and, you know, it's, there's, there was so much controversy around it, but it was just such a sad thing because it was a pride and joy thing for the university and still is. I mean, anybody who was there before and around that time, it's just, it's a day you never forget, you know, so to speak. And, um, so that really shifted me as far as where I was going with my, with what I wanted to do. But at this point I had been accepted into, uh, the a more prestigious accounting program and everybody was pushing me, including my professors to just, just get your accounting degree, just do it. It's like, I don't know if I want to do that after all this It's like, I don't really want to, to go through that life. I don't know what, I think I want to be a teacher, but I got talked into it. I did my internship with a really,
3: uh, with you are here to be a teacher, but it doesn't, might not look exactly I how, know, you
2: know, right. I didn't you know. know that at the time. <laughs> if only I had known my chart. See, this is why I feel like we, if we could start teaching it in pre K, then when it comes to make career choices, kids years, will have to-
3: all these kids are going to rebel and be like, they were telling me I'm a fucking Aries rising and all this shit, <laughs> and I'm ready to be a Christian. You know, it's like the, yeah. the church or whatever. <laughs> Um, because it's true, it's true. I've always wondered like how does one go about teaching up a child in the way they should go? It's like tricky because Yeah. You can't I mean, yes, everything works out, but it's like language is weird. And anyway, so culture's like Terrence McKenna says culture's not our friend, but like it's still the software through which we're operating. So to right. no one's devoid of culture. Like we're all operating mm-hmm. at some level on a platform. I digress. Um, so you kind of we're still listening to these accountant like parangs or whatever, and Mm -hmm. uh, what happened?
2: So I did the internship with a big accounting firm. I really loved the people, but the hours were intense. And the first thing I noticed was I never saw my animals. I never saw my, I I noticed that a lot of my colleagues were, uh, you know, moms and dads talking to their kids from, there's a lot of traveling in the track I was in and, you know, they're putting their kid to bed over the phone, their two-year-old. And that was another thing is I knew I always wanted to be a mother. And I couldn't figure out how this was going to fit into my idea of being a mother to be gone this much and be this stressed. And, um, and also I was aware that a lot of it was for the status and the money. And for whatever reason, I don't know if this is in my chart either. It doesn't match with the Capricorn rising, but that wasn't an incentive for me. Um, I was really more about the lifestyle. I wanted a loving home. I wanted security, which I know comes through finances, the cap you side, Mars but and Gemini. yeah, you might be
3: very easily distractible. Where it's like, you know what, this is fun and all, go this way. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to cut you off, I'm just looking very, it's like, all right, yeah, you got Mars and Gemini and all this stuff. Um,
2: no, it's, I've never uh, understood so, uh, how I use Mars, I still don't fully understand how I use Mars. Uh, I mean, yeah, I,
3: you can, I understand right? it, but, it's like I mean, what yeah. I'm getting reading is I'm like, uh, Mars is okay, so your vehicle is like the sun. I mean, this is very. Mm-hmm curt and terse or whatever very quick drive by but it's like your vehicle like who are you driving in this universe as it's kind of like your sun moon situation like who are you uh and the act like the gasoline in your car to make you go to this place what's motivating your actions like what's Mm. giving giving you the oomph to go the combustion like gemini kind of stuff so it's like you know thinking conversing friends animals sibling you know like that kind of stuff
2: yeah and it's in my sixth house which you said That's animals, right? And like day-to-day work and stuff like that. So I definitely wanted animals around me with my work, even if I wasn't necessarily working on the animals. (laughs) Although I did eventually do some work with animals, as you know. There's a weird
3: thing with veterinarians. I think people who love animals are like, oh, I want to work with animals. But it's like, y'all, like, I mean, you can attest to this, like the animals that come to veterinary clinics, I mean, sure, there's some checkups and stuff, but it's like maimed you know, like, oh, we gotta put this horse down. It's not so much like let's run, like I ran with horses. It's not like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, that that was my big thing. When after shadowing the vets, I was like, some of these animals are coming in here so traumatized. They have no idea we're trying to help them you know, and this is before I really understood telepathy and animal communication. And, you know, now I know there's some amazing veterinarians out there. They're holistic veterinarians that they, they know all about using aromatherapy and tapping and different ways to make the animal feel safe so they can actually work on them and not add trauma to their experience by just being there in the office. Um, but yeah, we were a long way from that in, south texas growing up and you know i shadow veterinarians castrating cattle and all that kind of stuff and i was like you know what um yeah i don't want to be around this energy at all so yeah well, it's it, true because it, it it's real... like it's
3: what got us here so i have some kind of respect i've, I've pulled uh oracle deck from stacy demarco i've got she's been a the podcast shout out stacy um but she's got one where it's like, like horses. and i guess the numbers or the wars freedom or whatever and it's kind of like we owe horses a, a great debt i mean if you start thinking about it and it, i don't want to get too political in terms of this right or wrong it kind of happened but it's like colonization and imperialism and manifest destiny all this stuff that wouldn't have happened without horses plowing fields ultra crazy stuff wars war horses um okay. so i'm not really sure if there's like a correct it's tricky we can talk about this if you want um Like, there's an ideal thing where it's like Garden of Eden, yay. We're all the lamb of the lion lying down. We're all chilling and eating broccoli or whatever's going on. But it seems like there's carnivores. It seems like we're in a phase of the fall of consciousness or the Kali Yuga or however one wants to look at it. Um, Speaking of dogs, there's five dogs here that act as guard dogs. Um, It seems like we're in a place where there is this kind of, it's it's tricky because I don't want to presuppose that it's like, you know, dog eat dog and it's, it's like violent. Um, you know, nature, tooth and claw, and all this stuff. But there's an element to reality like that. Uh, there's a really good documentary actually called Bear Man. I think it's called. Um, hmm. I don't know if it's on Netflix or anything like that. But it's about this guy. Have you ever seen this? It's gnarly. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty depressing. Um Timothy Treadwell, I think, is his name. And it's called. Bear Man. Anyway, it's about this dude who is like kind of Jupiter, because he's uh, Neptune right now in Pisces. Venus and Pisces. Mars has probably entered Pisces this point like the kind of identity thing where it's like i want to go talk to bears and play with bears up in alaska hands up spoiler i mean i don't know if i should tell you this uh he takes a girlfriend up, they get mauled to death and it's like fortunate.
2: i do remember this now yeah. now it's it's coming yeah, back it's like, I, I have seen it yes oh, it's yeah. hardcore
3: shit but he was so naive he's like i am going to go swim with the bears and it's yes. just like oh we all oh, trust me i love animals i want to do that but there's like you were saying like respecting boundaries and auras and stuff like that some animals are not <laughs> not ready to play with us like that so anyway um i know it's a little bit of tangent but do you have anything you want to say on, the, on that point uh like how does one interact with the animals <laughs> and like you know wild crazy animals like wolves and bears versus like a dog is generations deep in domestication uh even right they can, right. Right, not right so anyway uh well i
2: can tell you kind of my general on it i mean i'm I don't like to necessarily say how people should do things. I think they should experience this is on their own.
3: But I'm just right? Yeah. yeah. I, you like, know, everybody has their own
2: that? energy. But my take is that you know, when it comes to wild animals, I think their soul came here to experience something a little different, and. I le- I kind of want to let them do that and experience what it is they that they came in that, in that realm. So I trust and respect that if there's any kind of engagement with a wild animal, you know, I'm watching for what they want and certainly not putting myself in danger between a bear and it's bear cubs or anything like that. So I tend to kind of just let it be. And I don't even necessarily intentionally connect with them on a communication level kind of because, you know, they're doing their thing. They didn't ask for it. You know, if if I feel like there's some kind of engagement with the animal, um, we, we we're in an area where we have a lot of deer and sometimes the deer will walk up to you and kind of interact with you. They're, they're used to humans and I'll sit there and, and interact with the deer, but, um, you know, we've seen humans in nature where they get really friendly with birds and things like that. I think that's amazing, but you can tell that the animal has its own free will involved with that. And they're not being, you know, herded into a high game net area and being forced to the interaction so i think that was a thing for me is um again with that energy field thing it's like you know when an animal it is such a gift when an animal is willing to allow you to come into its energy field or when they ask to come into your field um so i kind of think of it as like a mutual contract if if the cat. I mean, a lot of people that say that don't like cats. It's because they are so sensitive to energy, and they are really, you know, aware of what's going on, and maybe what's going on in your energy field. And so, if you want them to come and sit in their lap, and they give you the paw, so to speak, and don't want to, people get their feelings hurt. <laughs> but it's really the the cat just reacting to some energy in the house or what's going on with them. Um, but yeah, on the domestic side, I mean, I do think we, we actually have soulmates with our animals. I think we intentionally incarnate with a lot of our animals. Um, I do think that it's something that is meant to be. We come in and we support each other in that way and however they find it. So a lot of times I, ha- I have a really neat story. When we lost a cat I had for about 15 years, I wanted to get my daughter some kittens and I asked, uh, for help finding the right kittens, I started calling them in, so to speak. I was journaling about it, asking for them. And I was going on all the adoption websites. And every time I looked at an animal, I was like, not our cat, not our cat. I could just feel the energy "Is this is not our cat. So eventually I just gave up, closed my journal, stopped looking. And two days later, a friend of mine who had no idea I was looking into adopting some new kittens, called me up and said, hey, I'm adopting a cat today. She's got five... She's a foster mom of five kittens. She needs homes for the other four. Are you interested at all? And these two cats have been literally glued to my daughter's side through a lot of challenges that we've gone through and a lot of emotional changes in a way that I could have never orchestrated. I mean, they really have been a support system when I wasn't able to to be a support system. And they continue to be for all of us and dogs do the same. I've had dogs do the same horses do the same. So, um, I think we can kind of, we kind of know, um, if we pay attention when it's meant to be a soulmate relationship that we're interacting every day versus, you know, boy, that's a beautiful, you know, buck standing out there, but I'm just going to observe it, maybe take a picture and then go on my way. So does that kind of answer your question on that?
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think there's like a right or wrong, but it's interesting. I mean, it's tricky because I think mm, well, there's a lot of like, uh, protests. <laughs> uh, this is a weird tangent, but like at, at the point when people were starting to kind of get riotous um, about mm-hmm. Trump elections and stuff like that a few years ago. Um, I was like, I guess people who need to work that karma out are doing those things. It's like I don't feel the need to be involving myself in the energy field particularly. Now I can intellectualize and argue outside a side or this side or whatever and kind of get into the fray of it mentally. Right.
2: But I'm not necessarily
3: mm-hmm. like on the front line of a thing. So I guess that's similar enough with the animals where it's like the animals that need to inter- interact with me do. I was actually on mushrooms. I've been eating a bunch of mushrooms here in Costa Rica. And one uh, of these trips, a chicken, they've got chickens here and a chicken came up. And I was just like bugging out. I was like, this is a dinosaur. <laughs> Look how beautiful it is, but it's like so alien. It's not like you know a cat or anything. It's kind of got its own little rhythm. Um, yeah, animals are amazing. I've always really had a good attachment to. It. I know Rafael has a cat right now. I don't have the animals personally, unfortunately. I guess, um, but briefly, uh, the cats we've had kind of like what you're saying. I mean, we've been through a few. where you know, we have parents get a dog and it's like, oh, this thing is inbred. It's an alpha. It's never, it's never going to subdue. So we're going to have to get rid of it. Like kind of like what? Um, but the cat cats that we started getting were like rescue cats and my sisters kind of picked them out mm-hmm. one was named gabriel ironically uh oh, wow. so whenever anybody's talking about Gabriel, i think this cat would like lay on my neck uh, it was super these are crazy cats like sheltered cats it took like years to coax them out and then once they have your trust mm-hmm. it's like what you're saying it's like a soul bond and then in a sense and i'm not saying this isn't true or f- i'm not sure how this works but i think some animals like really have almost a human soul in them They're like a little buddha's or mm-hmm. something like some, some are just like kind of wild, like skitty kitties and doing their thing. They're cute. Yes, I love them. Great. But then some are like, like have a presence and like know how to be AIDS. Um, even just the cat purr. I don't really know much about the physiology of a cat purr, but uh, I feel like that's doing a lot more than we even realize. Um, the vibration. Anyways. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're no, basically
3: thro- Throat singing at us. like. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I know. I completely agree with that. And, you know, I growing up in in South Texas, um, I just really found it difficult because I didn't like meat. I just didn't like it. It wasn't, you know, like our family doesn't eat meat or this is our religion. It was like I just didn't want it. I had an aversion to it. But in Texas in the 80s it was really hard to, um, avoid eating meat for the most part. Um, and so on and off I would, you know, I was always the pain at the pain in the family at any restaurant or whatever, because back then you didn't have a lot of options, you know, so I basically lived on bread if we went to a restaurant. But, um, I didn't realize until I, I was older, I think some of it was actually the energy in the animal, um, that there was the way the animal passed, the way that the animal transitioned had something to do with it and also just my own connection with animals in general, there was something there I was still picking up on with it that must have affected me. And, and when you're so open as a kid, right, you, you you feel everything. And I'll never forget walking into a restaurant and their big, um, their big thing was to have a big window where when you walked in it, it had the big slabs of cow carcasses hanging from meat hooks to show you how fresh their burgers were and their steaks. Because look, it's right here in the window. And we walked into that restaurant when I was, I think eight or nine years old, my mom said, and I took one look at that and I had to leave and sit outside. And she said, I didn't eat any meat for two years solid after that. Um, and I don't, I didn't, didn't even totally remember the whole protest thing but they they couldn't get me anywhere near it and then I started getting into like health and fitness stuff where everybody was telling you well you have to have this many grams of protein and you have to do this and you have to do that and I kind of slowly started eating some meat um, but again just still never excited about it never really wanted it and then finally when I was an adult I talked to my doctor about like, look, I just have always had an aversion to meat. I know that, you know, I was like, it's not necessarily me having some belief system around it. He was like, I don't think you should eat anything you have an aversion to. And I was like, well, you just gave me the green light. I'm done. And it was an easy transition for me. But at the same time, on the flip side of that, I actually think that our bodies are so different and unique and everyone wants to lump us into certain categories. And I do think there are actual bodies out there that need animal meat i do i mean we know that carnivores do we know that dogs do and wolves do and um if you try to the make your dog is when people it, try to make rough.
3: the animal vegan exactly right
2: like you right. see all these
3: people going, like, oh my gosh i'm just gonna feed them dandelions it's like uh i mean i've been vegan for probably five years and vegetarian for many years before that but that's because of the, just choices like what you're saying it's like mm-hmm. sure i'll eat a burger whatever actually i had really good brisket in texas i will say back in the day like high school but i
2: know for that um, <laughs>
3: So yeah, I was like, "There's good meat," but um, so I'm but, but I'm not personally one of those vegans who are like, "Oh my god, you're going to hell." It's like, hey, look, do you realize? Basically, I saw a Peter video on LSD at some point, and I was just like, "Holy shit, this is not." Mm-hmm. Once you start realizing the energy behind the animal's life and like probably the style of death and stuff, it's like that is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre horror film, and. Right. You just can't really go see that. So, well, um, I never proselytized that. Different yeah, I remember, oh, contribution
1: oh as as we're on this topic. So, uh, as as you're talking about it, I, you know, I could recount my story, but basically, I would say I've been mostly vegan for almost ten years, simply due to health reasons, because of my own physiology. Just like you said, everyone is different. You really got to figure it out yourself. But there is no reason to eat an animal that has been super stressed and full of pharmaceuticals at its death, because that's obviously not healthy for anybody i guess exactly. unless you want this kind of drugged and anxiety energy within yourself right and this i guess briefly after that this video the repost at least is from 2013. it's a two and a half minute video of a three-year-old child explaining his mother why he doesn't want to eat octopus i believe it's in spanish so i think there's subtitles but if you like i would play it in just two and a half yeah. minutes and to me it was like the first times I saw it, I was like, oh, "I gotta cry," you know. Like this is on a fundamental level. Even though I ate meat for a long time, because my parents are uh, chefs and so on, and Austrian or any type of kitchen, you have meat everywhere, right? Almost. Right. But then when I when I heard this, I was like, "Actually, this is exactly how I'm feeling." Um, so yeah, I'm, I'll see if this works yeah, well. To let's let's try the cinema mode. Ta bom.
0: Ta. Mas como nhoque de Ah, Esse polvo não é né? Não. Então tá. Ele nem fala e nem cabeça dele, né? tem, né? Cadê a cabeça têm? Não dele. cabeça. Isso tá aí não. é só as perninhas do polvo picada. Ah, e, e a tem tê tá no mar? Tá lá na peixaria. Tá. O monstro cortou assim? Cortou. O quê? pra gente poder comer, porque senão a gente ia ter que engolir inteiro mas por que? pra comer amor, igual corta o boi, corta a galinha ah, a E ninguém come canha. ninguém come a galinha? é, é os animais é? é hum. mas vamos comer o nhoque, come a batata então só batata e só arroz tá. Nem o polvo, é os animais. Tá bom. Todos esses são os animais. Pesce é os animais. Polvo é os animais. Caiu é os animais. Paca é os animais. Pô é, é, é os animais. Então, quando a gente comeu os animais, eles morrem. Por quê? Pra gente poder comer, meu amor. Porque eles morrem. Não gosto que eles morrem. Eu gosto que eles ficam em pé. (risos) Então tá bom. Então a gente não vai comer mais não, tá bom? Tá. Esses animais sempre tem que cuidar deles. Não comer. <laughs> tá certo, meu filho. Então come a parte da batata e do arroz. Tá bom. Por que você tá sonhando? Não tô chorando, não. Eu tô emocionada com você. Eu tô fez uma coisa saindo. <laughs> então come. Não precisa comer o povo não, tá? Tá bom.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome.
3: Yeah. I love how he's like, I'm going to the beautiful, right? He even knows. It's like, bro, I'm, I'm like preaching here. It's funny because um, I don't know if that was Spanish. I feel like that was Portuguese or something because I don't, I didn't hear very much Spanish. I don't know Spanish, but I'm in Costa Rica. I'm like, I did not have the same kind of flow. Some of almost Italian and Portuguese. But um, the uh, fant- I, there's a documentary on Netflix. If you've seen it, it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, I suggested it um, called My Octopus Teacher you seen this?
2: I've heard about it. I haven't had a chance to get to it, but I've heard it's good. Yeah, it's. I've, I've seen little bits of it and stuff when the kids are watching it. Oh, you need to just um, sit
3: down for an hour or whatever. It's yeah. Really cool. I, you I, can watch it, you know, if you don't have time, you can make time for this. Uh, you can even watch movies on Netflix in 1.5 speed you will your brain won't, you're a Mars Gemini you'll be fine. Uh yeah. your brain won't explode. Everyone's always like what are you doing? It's like I've watched this faster. But um <laughs> yeah, it's one of the most it's a really well-filmed documentary but the sentience of the animals is insane and this kid's sentiments towards sed- sentience of the animals is accurate. I'm not exactly sure how it all works. I, I mean, I want to kind of trust the process of life and grace and you know things moving forward the way they do. Um so I'm kind of like, well, it seems like we have killed animals and It's a choice, obviously, but it'd be nice to get cultures that are kind of moving away from it. Um, At the same time, I personally don't proselytize, so it's like people have to be moved. Uh, It's kind of like Christianity. It's like if you feel the spirit, you go for it. But it's like getting told you've got to do this doesn't really help anybody.
2: Yeah, I know a lot of people who have tried so hard and they feel like they're unhealthy or like the idea of trying to just the idea of forcing themselves was causing more issues and you know, and they, 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 then they feel really guilty. And then you're adding all of that into your energy field. Um, do we lose Jim? Um, oh,
1: They'll be right back. I'm sure. Um,
2: but anyways, yeah, I, we, um, oh, there you are. We in Texas, it's, it's, you we'll still get, right? you know, a weird, <laughs> a weird look when you say you're a vegetarian, you know, At, like all the weddings are barbecue. Like everybody gets brisket. That's what you do. You know, <laughs> you get the big, long, Buffet of barbecue and beans with bacon, and um, so I, I that's a usually a day where I'm eating mostly a bread. Cool. I
3: mean, it, it, <laughs> so, it holds up the industry, they're gonna hold culture around it. So, on the one hand, I understand, but at the same time, it's like we need to be shifting these cultures a little more without being like judgmental. It's tricky, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure exactly if there's like a new age answer to this or whatever. Like, there's probably something. Raphael, if you want to speak on it, you can. I think in a it no, just, takes people's personal it's quite, but it's not I like think
1: it's, it's all good. It's, it's a, quite obvious, at least to me, or it seems quite contrived, that so many cultures recently had introduced this immense amount of meat, because I mean, at least from what we can still somewhat discern, I guess, from our own grandparents and so on. Well, you had, you know, your fish on Friday. And if you're rich, you had your veal on Sunday or whatever you were eating or your chicken or something. It was completely different and it has become this idea of, oh, basically you're rich if you can eat lots of meat. And then it was all inverted with the industrial production and so on. And now it's,
2: exactly.
1: even though it may have for some individuals probably great energy to eat really well, you know a, an animal that has a life well lived you know and was very happy and it contains all this power and maybe they can transform it with their physiology it doesn't seem appropriate to me but i'm sure some people can vibe with that but anyway that's not what we have and it's yeah, just like i said become the status symbol but by now it's inverted almost again that now you have basically mostly the poor maybe eating the really bad gmo chicken or something and again it's like what is this you know so yeah i think am right. missing the point
2: Yeah, I spoke to a doctor um, that's a friend of mine. He's his backgrounds in Hindu and his whole family is Hindu and um, from India. And a friend of ours was asking him, well, how do you do it here in Texas? You know, you don't wish you had you could eat meat when you walk into and smell the brisket. And he said, it's not in my cell memory this is for generations. My family has never eaten meat. It's not in my cell memory. And if we think about the energy healing that we have available to us, you know, that might be something that eventually we can start doing is working on really clearing that cell memory that maybe has been imposed on us, like Raphael said, from the industrial revolution. And this idea that that's, you know, living like a king because you have access to this. Um, and of course, all the conditioning that that came with that in society and every diet plan out there, whether it's paid or keto or whatever is, you know, it's pushing that. This is how you get your ideal body and it's not customized. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, no, it's a fun topic to discuss with you. I know it's very controversial, but, you know, this is where I feel. Yeah, I'm not,
3: I'm, I'm very vegan, but like I won't touch anything. I don't even like fuck with chocolate, chocolate milk or, you know, whatever. When I get mushroom chocolates, I'm like, is it vegan? Uh, but I don't push that on other people. I, and I have noticed, and this sounds crazy, but I have noticed I feel like animals sense that I don't have their like life in me like that.
2: I feel I, like they're I like, Oh, you're chill, you won't eat me. <laughs>
3: like I I mean call it call me crazy.
2: It's well, because, you know, it's a dense energy, right? Meat is a very dense physical energy, whereas vegetables are very light and high vibrational. And I do think that's in our field. I do think they sense it. And it's funny you say that because I I remember years later, um, another horse I had, um, you know, I was pregnant with my first daughter. And the first time I saw him after I found out, he acted differently towards me. And I know everybody could say, oh, well, you know, it's hormones. And they could say, but no, he was gentle with me. There was a a different approach he had with me, where normally he'd walk up and rub his head all over me and kind of knock me over to say hi. And he was like gently walking up to me and breathing on me and it was, from that point forward, he was that way all all the way through the pregnancy. He was just very gentle around me. And you can't tell me that that's just because he just noticed a different smell. I mean, they're, they're aware of this other soul in your body. I mean, animals, my cats would sleep on my belly and then they would be bonded with the baby immediately, you know, um, which that brings up a whole other thing about cats getting blamed for infant death in the past and all that stuff. Have you heard those stories, yeah. Oh, there's the cat gotten the crib it's so ridiculous but um i just read
3: jurassic park to my fiance and there's like little dinosaurs they go in cribs and nibble babies in costa rica or whatever is going on there so I, I look there's a whole spectrum here it's a reality that's very diverse and complicated some animals maybe are like you know disney villains basically who knows um but i don't think every animal is like that um, right. I'm kind of curious. We, we don't have to um, kick a dead horse, no, beat a dead horse, no pun intended. I'm sure that's like a tragic kind of term for you. I just realized it's like, oh, God, what do I just say? Oh, um, okay. But uh, yeah, well, I guess my thinking is tell us if, uh, any tidbits you want about animals, um, animal energy, anything like that. And then I kind of want to start getting into Reiki angels. Um, how you started turning on to that stuff? Were you always in communication with these things, et cetera?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll go back to this in a minute, but after I had an encounter with angels in college and it was right after I had been out at the barn, I had a job cleaning stalls, feeding horses, whatever, because I had my horse with me there. That's how I paid for it. And I was actually with my horse um, right before this encounter and I had said a prayer saying, you know, what's wrong with me? I, I, I would kind of, I'm shortening it a lot, but basically I was going through like mild depression, gone through a breakup, wasn't excited about my accounting, ma- accounting major. And um I, I thought I was letting God down because I felt like, you know, I should be so grateful. I'm getting a college degree. I have a family that loves me. You know, I'm doing fine compared to a lot of people. Why am I so unhappy? And so I remember saying a prayer and saying, what's wrong with me? And I was with my horse and I can remember it, you know, you just have those moments, but I remember I had my hand on her shoulder and I was just hanging out with her after turning out the horses. And then I went back to my, uh, where I was staying, it was summer school to take a nap before I went to summer school. And that's when I had the encounter. Well, and we can go back to that if you want to, but fast forward another year or so, um, right before I lost my horse, honey, She, I had the most telepathic experience with her I'd ever had. We'd had different encounters and I knew what she was thinking and feeling, but she literally yelled at me, um, after we were, um, she was in the round pen and she was sick and I had gotten there, gotten to the barn and nobody was there. And I saw her laying down in the round pen and I immediately thought this is colic, which is a very dangerous uh, thing for horses. A lot of them don't survive it. And I raced to the round pin and she started to roll, which is something you don't want horses to do when they're colicking. And I did what you never do. And I tried to get between the ground and the horse. I tried to stop her. Well, she didn't see me. And so when she rolled, she knocked me down and pinned me. And I saw all four hooves in the air and time stood still. And I, and I, to this day think that that was an exit point for me. I think that there were angels involved and in all kinds of things. Cause there was nobody there. And I don't know how that 1200 pound horse stopped rolling in time to not come down on me. Um, but she stopped midair, saw me in the corner of her eye. I saw her see me and go back the other way. And she stood up and I tried to get up, but I was completely out of breath. Couldn't talk. I, all the wind was knocked out of me. I was on my knees and she looked at me and she ran at me with her nose, put her nose in my chest and lifted me into a standing position. And she was essentially seeing if I was alive and all right. And then I literally heard, what were you thinking? As loud, I was like exasperated and she shook her head and was snorting at me like, what on earth? You know, and I, I really, I mean, I was alone at the barn with her and I, I was just, you know, I felt like I had no idea what that was. It didn't, it didn't feel like a ghost or anything. It didn't feel like a guide. It didn't, I mean, I didn't know what it was at that point. I hadn't really started studying the way we interact with other spiritual beings and things like that. And so it just, the only thing I could say was it was her. Cause even the look on her face was what were you thinking? Um, and so that was definitely the beginning of me wanting to know more about animal communication. I had already been kind of studying like the Monty Roberts, uh, that, that around that time in the, um, uh, let's see, this was like 97, um, the horse whisperer movie had come out and Monty Roberts was kind of dubbed the horse, the real horse whisperer. And he was te- going around the country, uh, teaching, these training programs, a lot like the one you said about round pin training, herd training, you know, getting the horse to join up. And so I had already been doing that and even working on that with my horse. Um, we were practicing on our own, even though I, we already had a bond, I just thought it was fascinating the way you could use signals and, and get, and she would understand me. Um, so at that point I thought there's more, there's even more to this than, what we we're, we're talking about right now in the movies and everything. So that, you know, and that was a shift for me when I lost her, um I told my parents I'm not going to do this. I am not going to be a CPA. Um I ended up graduating that summer with my accounting degree and business, business administration, but I was I said no way am I going to do um it it was two things that happened. She I lost her. And then back to the dreaming thing in June of 2001, okay, I said that wrong. It was 2001 that that she passed, and that was my senior year in college. So in June of 2001, I had a premonition, premonition dream about 9-11, and I – Found out 10 years later, people all over the world had premonition dreams about 9-11. Yes, Rafael, you, you, you know,
1: Not me, but I just heard from Alex heard Jones, you know. even the very popular shock jock radio host that also he even on air, I think, mentioned. And yeah, many others. There have been a, has been a Bouchard prediction from 1997. The way I'm explaining it is very simply that there was a lot of energy behind this event, let's say. So naturally, people going to pick it up, you know
2: yeah and and it literally was a me seeing it it was a lucid dream, and in the distance, I saw a skyscraper. I saw a plane going into the building. I saw it crumbling, but then the weird part is even though it was really far away in the distance, the skyscraper came down on me, and then I was under the rocks and rubble, and I thought, Well, this is it and then I woke up and um I took that as a sign because for me, I'd been having recurring dreams. I got a job offer from this accounting firm and I started having recurring dreams that I was jumping from skyscraper to skyscraper, trying to escape the police for some reason, you know how dreams are. But every time they would catch me and I would never see my animals and family again. And this recurring dream would happen over and over. So when I turned down the job offer, the dream stopped and, you know, I had had enough encounters with dreaming experience to believe my dreams and trust them. And then when that happened in June, and that's what I had told my family when I turned down the job offer, because they're like, oh gosh, she's going off the rails. (laughs) She's turning down this lucrative job offer, you know? And, uh, and I said, well, I always said I didn't want to be stuck in a skyscraper. So I thought the dream was for me. I thought it was just solidifying my decision to make sure I don't end up in a skyscraper in a big city somewhere.
1: Well, just to bring up a very, very obvious and simple terror reference, 16, the tower, you know, this event certainly marked, you know, a great reconnecting of energies, let's say, and also certainly, the, I want to say the start of the fall of Babylon in a sense, (laughs) however (laughs) one wants to frame this. But yeah, on another way, one could also just say, you know, why go into a profession that's not only for you but it's on also maybe in many different ways fading out you know i mean now we have blockchain we have bitcoin we have many other things technically you wouldn't even really need so many accountants anymore if you wouldn't have this crazy bureaucracy and so on
2: that so is yeah. so incredibly true i think about that all the time and and, and it's um it, even knowing what i know about the profession and knowing having cpas i respect a lot i think gosh so much is automated now i mean it, it's just it could, this doesn't need to be this way um, you know, I saw it's I social. The other day,
3: uh, of the FBI, I guess, in like 19, like J. Edgar Hoover era, 40s or 50s. And it's like, here's their fingerprint of the entire nation. And it's like, at some point, they had a lot of secretaries doing stuff. And then, I mean, uh, Andrew Yang, his old platform when he was going for president, I kind of had hoped he would win, but whatever, um, was like, yo, automation's coming. Like, uh, we're going to be outsourcing our jobs to some robots and AI and kind of new levels of tech. Um, I don't know what ultimately that means, but, uh, and it's tricky because I think people will always be in jobs or, you know, face, uh, interfacing with other humans. I think we prefer that, at uh, some innate level, but, um, yeah, it seems like a lot of jobs, uh, that one might've presumed would always be a thing, um, might not be so necessary anymore. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off though. If you had a thought, go for it.
2: Uh, well, just that I was after that premonition dream, you know, I was like, I want to go get my teaching certification, or, or I even looked into going to some kind of equine training school where I could get into the equine profession somehow and keep going with the horses. Um, there wasn't a lot out there that you could really sink your teeth into, and I could make the case with my family that I wasn't going off the rails. And so um, I, I was kind of playing around with all those things. And it's it's amazing the way I ended up right back on the treadmill only a few months later because of the fear around me by friends and family that, you know, you're going to end up you know, homeless and, and dead up to your eyeballs. Cause you're not doing anything with your life, you know, and here the, I'd only graduated like two months earlier. And so I was given, I was offered a job to work at a bank and I felt like, well, I mean, it'll get everybody off my back. I'll go back to this world for a little while until I figure out what I'm doing. So I went to work for this bank right back in auditing and accounting stuff. And it wasn't as bad. It was bank hours, but still, it was not, you know, it was still what I said I didn't want to do. And then 9-11 hit. And so that was my, like, I know it was a big wake up call for everybody. And I know a lot of the transitions going on were as well, but that was me realizing what am I doing? I'm right back in the place that I was trying to get out of and so a couple of months later i ended up going out on my own and started doing small business consulting i mean it was the only thing i could do i could still do accounting stuff but i was able to do it on my own cuz so i didn't have a mortgage i didn't have a car payment all those things i could do it in, in sca- escape by so to speak um, but that ended up being really fun sorry
3: you can make it work i mean if you're not like trying yeah. to like if you don't buy into the system too it's much one the, of the benefits Right. Yeah, it's weird because I think I've lucked out in some sense of like, oh, most of my friends have families and shit, they're also having their midlife crises and they're like committed to mortgage, you know, just like they have to keep doing the song and dance in order to keep the play going. Um, it sounds like you had, at least at the beginning, they're not, you know, it sounds like you have a life and kids and stuff, so I'm not against that. Uh, but it sounds like the consultancy uh, where you're kind of, whatever, um, allowed you to kind of play with freedom uh, in a way. I didn't mean to cut you off though. There's like a five second no, delay it, or something it, crazy, it, so it, my bad.
2: It gave me freedom, and then also I got to meet a lot of entrepreneurs, and the entrepreneurial spirit can be fascinating, especially if you're doing it in a small – where they're really doing – you can see the difference between they're doing it for themselves versus they're doing it to – or they're doing it to be good at what they do versus they're doing it to compete with all their buddies, and Raphael agrees. Yeah,
1: I, yeah, no, I just agree. No, no, big difference. Yes, sir. please go on.
2: Yeah, and I, so I resonated Street, with that.
1: That was uh, –
2: yeah, there's a spark there, and, I'm and it's, Wolf there Wolf is,
3: is usually uh, is the bad thing. But I, I, God, this delay is killing me. I'll shut up. You, you got the call. No,
2: and I mean, you know, it's that manifestation. I guess like you know, you saw I have my moon in Taurus and I'm Capricorn rising. I think I really resonated with that ability to manifest, and it was always, I think, a lot of it too was you know, I didn't really want to be the bean counter in the back room with no windows. I mean, I didn't, I wanted to have something of my own and this got me a little closer to that. Um, and then also I did want to have a family and have kiddos. And so it was, it allowed me to do that as well. So I did that for about um, 16 years before I started bringing intuitive work in, but really when I started studying it on a deeper level was around the Mayan shift in 2012. Um I, Remembered about the premonition dream. I hadn't given it a lot of thought. I started researching it. That's when I started learning other people had had premonition dreams. And then I read this series, and it's fictional or if you want to call it fictional. Um, I don't know if you've heard it called "The Wheel of Time" by Robert Jordan. And I think they're even doing an Amazon it, thing, but there's a, there's a, a original, they just started, I haven't seen it, but um, the, there's a girl in the dream who is, they, they call her a dream walker. and he uses all his own terms, right? But essentially I think she's based off of kind of like shamanistic practices. And I was remembering all these dreams that I was having, you know, like the, the premonition dreams I'd had, I, you know, I had premonition dreams about what college I was going to get into and all these things. And I started paying attention to the difference in the dreams and when I, when I was losing And so that was kind of my, I guess, next awakening after the angel experience. And so I started going back to that experience. I went back to the angel experience in college, started studying that. And that kind of led to me diving even deeper into my studies and trying to do this intentionally instead of just waiting around for an angel to show up or my horse to yell at me. So, so yeah, so that's kind of,
3: well, we got to, I mean, another, you this was like, I feel like a lot of new age sentiment is like, oh, abundance will come to me, like the angels owe me or something like that. And it's like, yeah, follow your highest excitement, but like, you gotta put in the work um, and effort and stuff. It's, it's, it's complicated because then doing it just for the work and sweating out, like, then you're gonna get to your deathbed and be like, oh my God, I'm not my, you know, I'm not, it's like Fight Club, I'm not my car, I'm not my stuff. So you wanna kind of avoid the material trap, the materialist trap in a sense, but at the same time, like we're here to experience this embodiment and values and all the flavors of things. Uh, You should go back and tell us that angel story, though.
2: Yeah, I definitely will. And, you know, one of the reasons I did start doing it intentionally was in because of another dream in 2016, where my grandmother who had passed in 2012, all in the same area, she passed in 2012. And then she came to me in a dream in 2015 and told me get to work. So yeah, I hadn't seen it as something that I would ever bring into a more professional offering, um, up until that point. And even then it took me a few years to figure out what she meant as far as taking this into some kind of work. Um, but yeah, the experience I had in, in college, it was the summer after my sophomore year. And, um, like I said, I was kind of going through this mild depression and it was, what is it anything bad? But, you know, you, uh, even back then we didn't talk about mental health the way we do now. And I still think, there's a, especially where I am in Texas, I still think people attach a lot of stigma to mental health issues and things like that. So I wouldn't necessarily demon say,
3: I'm sorry. Texas would be like, you're, you're a Jezebel spirit. You just have to yeah, like yeah exactly. It, it we need to you,
2: <laughs> work, take you to right church. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and that was the thing too, is um, so I, didn't know how to talk about this because I wouldn't have identified it as depression. Now I would now knowing kind of what the symptoms are. Um, but I, like I told you, I was with my horses that, that morning. And I feel like that is just already putting you more in alignment, just being outdoors, being with your animals, you know, that already was kind of raising my vibration, but then I had that prayer and this is where it, I think this goes into the law of free will again, you know, where I was asking for help. And, um, so I went home and I had about 30 minutes before I had to get to class and I laid down, I was asleep for maybe 10 minutes. I woke up and tried to open my eyes, but I couldn't because the room was filled with a very, very bright light. Like it felt like it was blinding, but eventually I was able to open my eyes more and I could make out distinctly six pillars of light, so to speak. They went from the floor to the ceiling, and you could make out kind of the shape of shoulders and the head. There was singing, um, and it was several octaves at once. And I would, I didn't have my energy healing training at the time, but it, it was almost like it was the sound for each chakra. It was just perfect harmony and in sync and it was singing and then the light got brighter and brighter and there was a crescendo, the The singing got louder and louder and then it was just over, just like that. And the room, I mean, the silence was deafening because it had gotten so loud in there. And then the sun, the window shades were open, the sun was coming in but it seemed like a gray day because it had been so bright in there. And i I felt amazing, I just felt, safe and loved and kind of, and just in awe. I wasn't scared at all. I wasn't, I, I think I was maybe a little startled by what, what it was. Um, but it was just this, it was just like being immersed in this divine love light singing and it felt really, really good, but I had no idea what it was. And so I got up and got dressed to class, just kind of thinking, what was that? What was that? And that's all, all I was thinking as I went to class. And then I remember sitting in class going, you know, I have no idea what happened in class that day. I just kept asking, what was that? And eventually I thought to myself, I don't know what it was, but I know it was real. And as soon as I accepted that, I heard everything's okay. God is not disappointed in you and you're going to be fine. And that's when the the message came through, because I had to accept it. And so there was that, that thing that I learned through doing it intentionally, that you have to ask for the help. Then you kind of have to let go. And you have to remain open and aware to what's coming through. And I was very fortunate that my grandmother was also a spiritual mentor to me, the one that told me to get to work years later. And so, of course, being in the Bible Belt and going to a pretty conservative school, um, if I tried to tell any of my friends about this, they would have asked me, "What? What are you taking? What are you on?" <laughs> and it would have been, or like you said, they would have taken me to church. So, um, I told my parents about it, and my mom said, "Well, you, don't don't you remember Grandma had a similar experience?" And I said, "No, I, I well, I guess I kind of remember. I don't know." She said, "You need to go talk to her about it." So. I called her up and she said, oh, yeah, I remember I told you it happened when you were in high school. And she said, I woke up in the middle of the night to a loud thumping noise. She heard just like somebody had dropped something on the floor. And when she opened her eyes at the end of her bed was another light. It was a light being. She said she could make out the head, but it was only three feet tall um, and it was just one. And she said it was quiet that she didn't hear anything other than the thump that woke her up. And she said, um, I said, well, did it scare you? Were you afraid it was a ghost or anything? She said, no, it felt amazing. She said, I have never felt so loved as I did in that moment. And so I started doing a lot of research. And this is really kind of pre-internet. I mean, you had dial up, but my grandmother definitely wasn't on the internet. And so she started driving to libraries far away and looking up different experiences about uh, near-death experiences, things like that. And studying a lot of metaphysical things kind of behind the scenes again, because she was a a big figure in her church, too. So, you know, she kind of had to do it on her own as well. And so we started talking about a lot. I said, well, what do you think it was? And she said, I think it was either. She said, I had a deal with my mother that when she passed, that she would find a way no matter what to come back and tell me she was okay." And she promised me she would come find me. She goes, I think that was her. It was either her or it was a messenger. It was somehow an angel message. So she's like, but after that experience, I knew that I could trust in, in life after you know death here on this planet and, and all the spiritual things I felt. So she became my mentor from that point forward. She was the one that I could talk to about this stuff. And so to have her come back to me so many years later and tell me to get to work, she was somehow always meant to trigger me. And I said to her, when she told me she did that with her mother, I said, well, are you going to do that for me? And she said, you betcha. And when she came back to me, she came as herself. So maybe she was just taking it up a notch so I didn't have to sit there and wonder <laughs> who was who was showing up. But um, that experience really, really shifted me. I actually, for many years, thought of it as kind of just an energetic raising of my vibration because it was after that, that all those things happened at school with bonfire falling and the other deaths. It was after that 9-11 happened. I lost my horse. So there were so many challenges I went through shortly afterwards that it's almost like I was being given a boost, it seemed like. Um, but in, in other ways, it was working as something that was going to happen for me later to open up my mind to other beings and other ways of working with spiritual beings. So, Yeah. So, that
3: so I've I've had the uh, uh, for some reason, "Come Sail Away" by Sticks. When you're like, "Oh, this angelic choir of like people came in my room or whatever," I was thinking of that. And then when you told me about your um, grandmother's uh, kind of, uh, you know, bedside visit or whatever, um, I was thinking of the Queen "Bohemian Rhapsody" light lighting. For some reason. And then it's like, I see the silhouette of a man. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> is this mom? Um, but I'm curious, um, what uh, What were you, okay, let's put it this way. It opened you up to these ideas. Um, mm-hmm. you, you're saying that, um, and I was looking at your North Node is conjunct Saturn in Virgo. I'm not going to say that means it's your grandma or something, but it's like, you know, kind of old made kind of energy, maybe this was how mm-hmm. she kind of passed the torch or something um given that she was a christian and kind of hardcore in the community how did you get tutored by her and like how are you guys kind of doing like the anne frank mysticism or whatever of um, like hiding about it and kind of yeah
2: no we, we really weren't
3: you guys were drawn to like
2: Yeah, it was really more just long discussions about it and her telling me stories that she had read about people having similar experiences, especially with near-death experiences. Um, Another thing, she was always encouraging me with the animal communication. She was a big supporter of me, you know, being with my horses and um, her favorite saying um, she would, she would say, well, Devin, you have a way with animals. And I would think, I think, well, doesn't everybody, I mean, everybody should, has a way with animals. Right. And she said, actually, you'd be surprised. I didn't. I mean, as a kid, you know, you, you're naive and you think everybody loves animals and then you got, get out in the real world and see the way some people treat them. Um, but she, she would say, oh, you know, animals are, are their own form of connecting with God. And she said, what is dog spelled backwards? And that was the thing she would say over and over again to kind of, even from a young age, teach that, you know, we can have this spiritual bond, this spiritual connection with animals, and that it's another form of connecting with God to be with our animals. And so then um, we just kind of talking about those experiences and me reflecting on it and kind of having somebody believe you, you know is, is big when you go through something like that and you don't feel like you can talk to anybody about it. And to your point, we didn't have any new age stores or, you know, nobody talked about metaphysical things in my community or any, at least my circle. Um, and so it was more just talking about our own experiences and, and saying, you know, you know, I know what I experienced. And I think that's kind of why I, got into it in the way I did with the automatic writing and the teaching is I was kind of afraid of some of the new age metaphysical stuff because of the way I was conditioned growing up where I was, I was a little fearful of it. Um, and so I wanted to do it on my own. Um, you know, at that point I never had paid for any kind of reading. Um, I didn't own any kind of decks. I just, I was afraid of it. I mean, I was conditioned to be, but I knew what I experienced. I knew that this was kind of another way to it. So I started, um, doing it intentionally on my own, like journaling about it and asking for help and asking for signs from my angels. And that kind of helped me develop my own confidence into the point that I needed to, to find out what these other modalities were that I was seemingly so afraid of. And it just, you know, like anything, once you start opening the door to that, I mean, it's like drinking from a fire hose, you know, so much comes at you. And so I had to do it slowly and kind of in my own, I felt like I was just in the closet learning about different modalities for a long time for several years, especially studying dream interpretation, automatic writing. That was really my first real thing I dove into was automatic writing. And then having that evidence there seeing that, you know, I asked for this and then I asked for guidance on it. And then two weeks later it happened exactly that way. And then having it written down and seeing that, you know, I didn't make this stuff up. Um, and then I had even more premonition dreams where, you know, um, there was an incident close by where there was a a guy went into a church and shot his family. And it was about 40 minutes from us. And I actually had a dream about it before it happened. And I didn't really understand what had happened. But in the dream, I was the one being shot. And um, so I, when I got up, I got on the news to see if there had been anything reported by it and um, what was going on. And um, nothing, nothing had, had been reported. So I just told the angels, well, if this is something that really happened. And it's, it truly was a premonition dream. Can you, can you send me a sign? And about an hour and a half later, my sister sent me a news link to what had happened. And it turned out that the shooter had the same name as me and grew up in the same town that I went to school in. So then I started getting fascinated with numerology because of the energy in the name, the energy in the area. This kind of led me into astrology too, um, but I, I wanted to understand why, why was I picking up on this incident? You know, he was the perpetrator, but in the dream, I was the victim. And I had a mentor by that point, And she said, you're probably picking up on the energy of the victim, but then the victims, but that didn't really resonate with me because I was like, well, the, the guy had the same name as me and he was from the same area. So there's, what is this that's in my energy field that I was able to pick up on even before it happened? Um, so maybe it was just the telepathy of somebody thinking the name and, and fear, feeling fear around that. Um, but that made me realize I need more, I need more education around this. Um, and I started working more on getting, yeah, I started working with mentors, taking classes, practicing, but I still was kind of doing it secretly in my community. I was just the, um, PTA treasurer, mother of two to everybody else. I was in the spiritual closet.
3: Pulling cards in the PTA's budget, it's like oh, Tower Cross, yes. we can't, we can't do this. Um, I'm curious uh, on your and Ravo. I saw you pop up a minute ago. I don't know if you have something you want to say. Um, I'm curious uh, what your interpretation. Like, uh, obviously, you're coming from a Judeo-Christian kind of background. Um, how do you look at angels? Do you think these are archetypes that are extra biblical? Um, are they tr- transcultural? Are they? Is this like you know? baby jesus and the old testament is true and we have to pay attention to these things i mean i'm not trying to get like hyper religious necessarily about it but um, i'm kind of wondering how you process these ideas and um what relationships yeah. you have with certain ones like you know you're like obviously i don't i would not normally think oh i've got Raphael. like gabriel to me comes to mind and people always talk about michael stuff i'm not that angels are something i've just never really looked into i'm not against it particularly um, mm-hmm. having spoke DMT, I was like, holy shit, there's transdimensional beings. So I always figured that these things were just transdimensional beings, but mm-hmm. I want to kind of get your interpretation on what you think is going on. And I get that it's not like the authoritative version, but it's like, how are you apprehending these things in your reality?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. And, um, it's kind of evolved over through my experience, what kind of how I approach it. And I would definitely say it's a, a non-denominational, um, being that is, you know, like you said, can transition different spaces and dimensions. Um, I also believe that I think I feel like you can tap into the energy of, for example, Archangel Gabriel and not necessarily call that energy Archangel Gabriel. Um, So I think it's about the experience. So the way I kind of approach it is developing your own language Um, whether it's with your guides or with a particular archangel that you're interested in working with that energy. And I think as a collective, we've picked up on energies around certain angels and names, especially because of the Bible. For example, Archangel Gabriel is a messenger. That's why she works well with artists and teachers and anyone who's offering messages, because collectively we were taught she was the messenger angel um, or he in the Bible. Right. But, um, but I didn't really approach it from that standpoint. Um, I think there's something to the collective energy feeling like, okay, Archangel Michael brings protection and is strong and can cut energetic cords really well. And then we're collectively putting that energy into that as well and calling on that energy together. So in a way it's almost like, What's your preference? Would you you know? I have a really good friend that she doesn't call them angels at all. She calls them, you know, light beings or a different version of my higher self. And that works for her. Um, for me, I'm really comfortable in the energy of working with angels. And I actually, because of I guess my accountant brain, my Capricorn rising, I like the organization of knowing if I'm calling on protective energy or um, something to that effect, I can call an Archangel Michael. For example, I work with Archangel Metatron and I feel like he can really, you know, that energy can really shift time and um, manipulate different energies and is fast moving. Um, So I started doing it by just working with one at a time and getting to know the energy and trying to see if any colors came up for me, any particular feelings. Did I always feel something on my left shoulder or did I always feel something in my right calf? And I kind of started just keeping track of it in my journal about when I would do this. And of course, having that intention of, behind it um, was helpful. And you know, I think as far as the biblical side, I think that did bring me comfort initially when I was diving into it. And I remember reading Billy Graham's book, Angels, and he goes through every single Bible verse that references angels. And it's actually really fascinating because if you set aside anything that makes you feel awkward about Christianity and the formality of it and the concept that it was translated by men and it was by man and not actual the direct you know, original scrolls that the way that they twisted it to manipulate the population, which we we've seen for sure happen in history. Um, there was still something to the message behind the, the Bible verses that eluded to, um, angels and this idea that there's this higher, higher vibrational being this hierarchy of a being that can come in and assist or, you know, connect with you in a bigger way than we can in this physical body. And I just think it's almost like the truth behind the text was what I was able to resonate with and feel in the energy with the angels, if that makes sense.
3: It does. Raphael, given that you have an angelic name yourself, uh, I'm kind of curious what your two cents on it are given what she's just said.
1: I would say <clears throat> on a very basic sense, I just agree with your approach. You know, many people like to be very dogmatic about it or then say, you know, these are the angels, these are the demons and all of that. Um, I think it's what I really enjoyed and what's fascinating is to listen to your stories because you. a subjective felt experience, you know, this is the the only real source of information we can validate for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And within the entire story, what i just like to say, I think where it all really starts and ends in a sense is the first story you mentioned where you said that you said i don't know what it is but i know it's it's valid for me or it's true for me or it is real for me and then you got all the answers i have had similar stories or similar one particular instance and this is what changes everything because otherwise you're always dependent on the priest psychologist shrink doctor whatever Mm -hmm. and it's not about not receiving guidance or help or support But especially if you're maybe in a culture which is, you know, not really jiving with that, this is the most fundamental decision, you know, to basically really um, take your own experiences for valid, you know, and still, of course, they may be skewed, there may be all kinds of layers in front of them that you have to uncover and so on. But this basic understanding, I think that's that's the core of it, you know, and aside from that, I, I generally agree with your assessment in terms of angels, to me, they're just, you know, higher archetypal energies, like one of the many systems, and then we can categorize them, but even here we cannot be entirely sure what is behind them and who or what masquerades as angels, and this doesn't even have need to be nefarious, you know, because again, mm-hmm. oftentimes we project basically our own very, very human fears onto all of these supposed higher beings, and in your case I could even say, I mean, best validation, you even met them, you know. I also once, just briefly, um, met a guy at this alien conference, and he had been at a very famous UFO and alien landing event when he was a child. And the way that he explained it seemed perfectly in line with all the other stories of these kind of encounters like time dilation, some children crying, some just looking, of course, the uh, the parents or the teachers being secluded and farther away. You know, it, it was really like mm-hmm. and, and what all I'm always thinking, because then it's like, yeah, what is true, what is not. But there are so many stories. And I always like to repeat that if we piece all of those together, I'm very sure we can get a pretty clear and neutral picture that ultimately can greatly benefit us as a culture, let's say, or a civilization if we have a more, I almost want to say, mature approach to these subjects. Yeah, so thank you for all those stories.
2: Yeah, thank you. And, And, you know, what really got me started with talking about it with others was that, I, I remember talking to my sister about it, and you know that fear of what are people going to say about me. There was a, a funny story where a bunch of people were at a, a, a women that I knew through the school were at a Super Bowl party, and somebody said, "Well, um, you know, Devin just finished her animal communication training, and she does angel readings," and this other girl said what Devin does that? She, I thought you had to do drugs and dress like a hippie to do that kind of stuff. And this was, this is the people I was immersed with, with, right? So I started talking to my sister about it a little bit. And I said, well, you know what? You can't prove angels don't exist. I mean, if I'm going to start taking that approach, prove to me they don't exist because I had this experience. And to your point, piecing it all together, going within, getting this kind of this is what I love so much about what you guys are doing is I've listened to a lot of your guests as well, describe things that I've had experiences I've had or something similar. And it's so nice where it's like, we're developing this kind of overall concept, but still allowing it to be our own perception and what our own experience was. And it's that going within, like you said, not relying on an outer person to tell me, Oh, what you saw was this. Versus, you know, so that's kind of been my, uh, that's really what got me going was you can't prove I didn't see the angels. (laughs) You can't prove angels don't exist. So I'm going to go from there. And I feel, I feel safe in that energy. You know, if you feel safer in the energy of talking about aliens, then more power to you, which I actually love doing that too. But I think when you're getting started, I work with a lot of beginners that are just starting to get into this. And so I relate to them because the first time I bought an angel deck, it sat inside the Barnes and Noble bag in my closet for two months before I actually took it out. And I did wait till there was no one on the aisle before I went and picked it up. I mean, that's how much (laughs) I was concerned about my appearances. So yeah, it's funny to laugh about that considering. It
3: happens no it's yeah it's good uh i mean trust me the first it's always the whole process is a trip um and it's it's all good um but even the, what you just said is funny i'm curious what the, is the angel deck for the lady who has since become a born-again christian I'm forgetting her name now um, oh dorian
2: virtue
3: there was some lady right? who was like yeah yeah uh, i don't know if that's the deck yeah dorian virtue I, I think, um, I mean, that was kind of a big deal a few years ago when she's like, oh my gosh, you denounce all this new stuff. It's weird because I asked for, I mean, the whole time I've been like, yo, I've, I've experienced some weird things. Um, Christian, like whatever I do, is like like super psychedelics and stuff is very Christian themed. And I've had some psychics be like, oh, you were in a scene. Just enough happens where I'm like, I don't think I'm just doing this because my culture wants me to. I think I've seen the truth and the validity of this, but I'm not here to like proselytize particularly. I'm just like, oh, I think this shit's guys it's not just like stories like there's probably like real nuggets of like energy upgrades here um at the very least um but oh shit dory virtue was uh super new agey and then i guess she had this situation astrologers were saying she was having like you know a uranus conjunct north node or you know whatever they were kind of justifying her kind of flipping the boat um but she i guess has become a new age christian it's uh or not a new age christian a born again christian it's like i said it's funny because on the one hand um it gets really tricky for me because i'm like how much of my experiences are imprinting that i'm just dealing with like you know layers of this imprinting it's like well i've just been so immersed in this thinking for so long that i've adopted it versus like was i resonating this and then therefore my reality was creating this around me so i attracted a family that's very who knows and maybe you know in my father's house are many mansions kind of thing it's like there's so many dimensions of weirdnesses going on i don't know if we'll ever get an answer particularly um obviously i kind of want to come to some conclusion kind of 2001 a space odyssey at the end of my life, I want to be in the room and be like, "What's the obelisk? What is this, <laughs> or whatever the monolith?" I kind of want to understand what life is, but I don't even know. I mean, in a sense, it's like no ear can—it's—it's—it's it's, it's in uh, ineffable. It's a magical mystery tour that we're on, and uh, there's a lot of flavors and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we probably had uh, more—not that this is bad or good or whatever—but it's like Raphael is coming from a more or less like agnostic or you know Christian culture, I guess, but not being raised in religion, and ha- you having that kind of trip. I can relate very much to that. Um, I'm kind of curious. We could start winding it down, but I am curious. Oh, well, we don't have a wind it right down, but um, we haven't really gotten into Reiki. And I'm curious about uh, that. Like, when did you start? I mean, you started being like, Oh, I'm an animal specialist kind of getting those vibes. And you're obviously having these kind of psychedelic experiences that are, <laughs> you're validating for yourself, which on the one hand, what was coming to my mind is like Picasso or artists. It's like, look, everybody sees the vase. And then you get to paint it, and no one can say that's not how it looks. But then one has to be kind of discerning to a degree and be like, "Is how much is this imagination or whatever? And we've talked about this plenty on the podcast where it's like, we're in an imaginarium. We're in a dream of God or something like that. Even Jonathan Edwards, who's a hardcore Christian, um, he was like a priest at age 17 up in uh, New Jersey, up in Princeton. Um, he was like, oh, we're just machinations in the uh, head of God, kind of a very Hindu kind of thing. It's like, we're in Brahma. Um, and he was kind of like ostracized for that belief, even though a lot of conservative fundamentalist kind of uh, Christians, uh, Protestant Christians are like, oh, Jonathan Edwards is the man, you know, him and Calvin and a few other people. Um, anyway, I'm rambling, but I'm kind of curious on when you started getting into Reiki and then how that, uh, how, how do you, like, um, I mean, the Bible talks a lot about like putting hands on people, praying. Um, it wouldn't blade. surprise me if you're gonna kind of prayer. Yeah, exactly. Prayer warrior stuff. It's like, this is intense. It's, it's, it's what we're talking about in the new age, but it's couched in such, um, heavy culture that people tend to like throw the baby out, baby Jesus out with the bathwater. So it's like, yo, yeah, putting hands on or anointing with oil and all this stuff. Who knows the Nikola Tesla reasons for all, you know, how much it's conducing a certain energy or, you know, when we go to a worship service or a cathedral or whatever, I'm not Catholic, but like when you go into these places, it's like, you're getting tones, you're getting into a, a mm-hmm. trance state essentially. Um, all sorts of stuff so anyway um when did you get into reiki and i do want to touch up on your book because we haven't even talked about that but um oh, let are going to come on and do a whole episode on that yeah it it's seems like, yeah. um, well, <laughs> like here's proof <laughs> Holy <shit>. all right <laughs> um, um, yeah,
2: yeah well i i started with the automatic writing connecting with the angels initially um and it was working really well. I was getting all the evidence and the validation and I was asking for help with things and things were just showing up. And it was, you know, I was really stepping into that manifestation energy and using divine guidance for it. Um, asking for guidance on whether I should change health practitioners, whether I should add these, you know, supplements, whatever to my diet. Um, and I really started getting good about it, but when I would try to oh, they, they also, the angels started giving me guidance to start calling in my tribe. So I did have somebody to talk to about it. I wasn't just having to do online things or read about it or watch videos. And, um, I was getting guidance to start doing that. And that what they started talking about was studying energy healing. Now I, at first I was really, I didn't really understand what that was. Um, but I, I did want to start talking to people about it and, they were telling me, you know, to look into learning how to do energy healing intentionally. And I was very resistant. I kept putting it off. I didn't really want to. And then one day I was um, chatting with a friend who I'd actually known since a kid. We we kind of were in different different grades and so didn't see each other a lot. But our kids are the same age. And she kind of casually mentioned um, getting a Reiki session. And it it totally, I thought you're the church girl from down the road that would never do anything new age. I mean, I, it totally shocked me, but that's one of the ways the angels I've learned would work with me is they, if I knew there was somebody I was supposed to work with or talk to, they'll have that person say something or something will come up that will get my attention. Like, Oh, maybe this person is open to something like this. And I said, did you just say Ray Key?" And she said, yeah, I go to this amazing girl. She's like an hour away, but it's worth it. And, um, I was like, well, I keep being told I need to learn more about the chakras and and learn about doing this myself, but I just don't see what the point of that is. Maybe I should just go get a session myself. And she said, "Yeah, go to her. I, I trust her." And, and so it was a referral. And I thought, well, I'll go. I'll go give this a shot. And um, I went to her, and she was wonderful. And I felt really, really good. I felt a lot of release from some past grief stuff. And but then that night, it was it was amazing. I had one of the most directed lucid dreams I'd had in years, um, where I was in a dark space and I wanted to see my horse, honey. I I literally called out. I was like, I know I'm dreaming and I know that, you know, we can connect. So I want honey to show up. Well, out of nowhere comes this enormous unicorn and it's made of the gold light, kind of like the, the, angels were, but it was very artistic and gore. I mean, I don't even know how your human brain could come up with this. And it was enormous. And it comes charging me at me to the point that I'm scared of it. And I step back to give it space and it turns and sits and gets down to the ground for me to get on it. So I get on it and and the horse turns and instead of just walking or running off, it launches. And I actually feel like, I'm on a roller coaster shooting off. You know how the roller coaster will shoot through a tunnel? It felt like that, and I felt like I shot through a dimension, almost like a black hole. And you've had experiences like this, Raphael? It was,
1: oh, well, also, yes, but uh, no, it sounds, uh, yeah, how It I was. I say? It was, it was like reality, yeah. you
2: could feel it, like this force shoving you through, and I thought, and, and it was so amazing. I mean, to this day, like my heart flutters on how fun it was. And when I woke up the next day, I I just thought, well, something shifted in me and opened up and that was phenomenal. And I started taking painting classes and I was trying to repaint the unicorn. And then finally I was like, well, I had asked the lady who did the session if she could explain that to me. And she really didn't have an answer. She just was like, I don't know. And so I was like, well, I need to know more. So I guess I'll finally take a Reiki class and I still, I still didn't know why I wanted to do it, but, um, I did take my first Reiki class and right at that time I found out that my cousin was getting close to transitioning. Um, she was 47 and was diagnosed with colon cancer and was given like six months. It was a real fast thing given like six months. And, um, I realized that there was an opportunity here to, talk to her about this because she had just kind of started studying it and kind of understanding. um, I knew a lot about her past and kind of understanding the sacral chakra and where they found all this and how it was correlated. And all of a sudden I was just like watching it play out on a stage, you know, past trauma with family members, past trauma with life experiences, all culminating in the sacral chakra and in the quick, you know, way that this happened. And I'm going, whoa, I mean, it it was literally like it was it was part of my education for me to watch this, even though it was, you know, horrifying, but I learned so much and she was actually really open to it, even though she had decided not to take on any kind of Western medication. She wanted to transition on her own, but going through that process, um, she and I really bonded and we hadn't known each other a lot growing up. We were kind of kept apart. So on the day she passed, she, left a penny on the, in the middle of my made bed, my perfectly made bed. We don't keep changing this house. We're that family. <laughs> we should be better about that. But she left the penny in the middle of the bed I had just made. And, um, I thought, okay, I know that was you. Cause I had actually woken up. I awakened in the middle of the night, right when she passed, um, as well. So she, had, I, I had felt a shift. So I knew that she, we were going to stay in contact. And over a year later, when I met with her daughter, um, I went through the to through the to get my master certification, started working on animals, started understanding the chakra work. All of a sudden, my mediumship stuff started kicking in big time. And I've talked to a lot of people who say after they even just get Reiki level one, their mediumship abilities really open up. And so I thought, well, maybe this the whole point of this was so that I would be able to communicate with my cousin. And sure enough, throughout the year, I was getting different things. And a year later I met with her daughter at lunch and that morning I walked into my bathroom and there was a penny again in the middle of the bathroom. And I was like, where on earth did this come from? And I, so I said out loud, I said, Tricia, if this is you and I'm supposed to bring this up with your daughter, I want you to, you know, I had said, you know, let me know if I'm supposed to tell her about how you and I communicate. And so, um, that day at lunch, her daughter was saying, you know, my mom everybody says my mom visits her them and i just get so frustrated because i i she she doesn't visit me. She doesn't check in with me. I never see her. I had one dream but that didn't really count and she's just kind of discounting it all. And i said, "But do you ever see pennies?" And she about fell out of her chair. She looked at me, tears pouring. She said, "All The time I see them constantly, I I don't know where they're coming from, and same situation, and it just chills and everything. And I thought I was like, well, then I'm going to tell you something a little out there. But I've been working with on my mediumship skills and my energy healing ever since you know I knew about your mom, and I think that that was her sign for you. I think she was trying to communicate, and I kind of let her through it all. And it was the relief that she felt. And she was actually working in hospice. So she was used to like dealing with trans- transitions and stuff. But this for her was, my mom's not coming to me. She's coming to her best friend. She's coming to the neighbor, but she's not coming to me. And so I knew there was something with, that was opened up for me by, you know, doing the Reiki, you know, they do the, um, I'm blanking on what is it when you do each, each level they do a, um, oh. Uh, I'm Certification
1: sorry. or uh, yeah. what, what do you mean? It's a
2: ceremony that takes right.
1: you. Um, okay. Like initiation yeah. or something, I guess. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I don't know why it's just out of the mind at the moment, but um, you do that and it's a different one for each level. And I did, I was able to actively see through my journaling and writing it down and keeping track of things that each time. I was opening up more conduits. I was ha- I was heightening my psychic abilities. I was heightening my intuition, my connection with the angels and the synchronicities were just through the chart. I was trying to track all the numbers and I was just taking up pages and pages in my journal. And I was like, okay, I, I can stop tracking this now. I can trust that these are actually signs between my angels and me or my guides and me or my higher self. So Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I got into it. And I, I, you know, I thought I never really saw myself doing it as one-on-one sessions because I always really wanted to work with the angels. And what I really wanted to do was teach other people they can work with the angels. Um, Because for me, it was such a, my process was not trusting anyone, right? It was me having to have my own experiences. And so I thought so many people out there, you read that they, they'll admit secretly to having s- certain experiences or just having something are like, whoa, I knew that was going to happen. I don't know how, but they, they don't know what to do with it. Um, because they don't trust, you know, and when I had, a, it's funny that we pulled the high priestess card, um, because I did a life between life ses- sessions. I, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, hypnotherapy I I was what's that?
3: I think it was hey. the empress not the high priestess sorry oh, the empress yes the empress card you're yeah. right it
2: was the empress cuz that image for me that's where I was going with that um when I did a hypnotherapy session where I did life between lives where you go to a, you do a past life regression and then you go up in 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 between lives and you, I met with briefly asked
1: because I did this once I believe with the QHHT Dolores Cannon system which is just a text that you've oh. being read how Mm -hmm. was your process just maybe briefly mention it because for me it was so simple i was like wow this is literally just someone reading something to me and i was i i back then i was still like oh this is pretty weak visualization but still i got together three whole stories actually you know in like maybe not even an hour or whatever how was how did the process work maybe briefly explain it
2: yeah yeah i that i have heard that that's a really good one to try um i was still in the stage of not fully trusting um what i was getting and also not um not really sure about how i felt about past lives still i was still early with the, you know the christian background and all that i was open to it and i thought i've certainly had some experiences where that would make way more sense if we had past lives but um, i still wasn't sure and so i wanted to have like a hand holding process so i did my research and i found a hypnotherapist um up in dallas and when I really decided to, you know, invest in a session, sure enough, he suddenly was coming to San Antonio in a few months to offer sessions there because he traveled around and I contacted him and he had all the credentials that were, I felt comfortable. And so, um, he, for, we first did a past life regression session, cause he kind of likes to get you used to it. And then the second session you do the life between lives. And for me, it was, he takes you into basically a very relaxed State. Although I was very aware of what was going on. I could tell you, you know, if somebody was making popcorn in the other room, I could smell it. It's not, there was nothing where I was hypnotized, so to speak. Like you see, I was very aware, but I also, I didn't know until I listened to the recording back that my speech really started slowing down. Um, on certain times when I was connecting with a guide, my voice changed on the recording and that's kind of their signal. They know when they're connecting with the spirit because the, the sitter or the the client, their voice changes. Um, so I went really deep. He took me into this deep meditation. He took me back to a past life. And then at the point that I pass away in that life and I got the whole story there, which was, you know, and there, the other thing is fascinating is your guides will take you to the life that's going to help you the life that's going to help you the most right now. You experience that too. And, um, I didn't really understand that that was what it was. I, I thought, well, I want to go to the life where I lived on Sirius, you know, or something like that. It's like, no, we're going to show you what you need to know. Um, learned a lot about that life, especially dealing with the past, uh, ex. So <laughs> it's interesting what they reveal to you. Um, and then, and then you, you kind of, as you pass away, they again, take you into another meditation where you, you don't, come out of it in there. And you ask the guides to take you to your, to life between lives and you get to meet other guides. And I sat with my high council and, um, it was the empress, right? The, the, one of the people on my council, the woman, the one that wouldn't talk to me, she just used telepathy the whole time, looks exactly like the empress. And so I've always thought that was really interesting that, you know, but she wouldn't talk to me. Some of the other guides, you know, told me things, but it was almost like I had to go through these stages before I was going to access this energy. And that was part of doing the Reiki sessions, um, learning to understand mediumship. I've learned that it's how valuable it is to use energetic shielding, energetic cord cutting. If you're familiar with that super valuable, especially if you do this work. Um, but even if you just put up social media and you get a lot of follows and likes cutting cords with that, is important. So um full circle, that's how I got into that. But I always really wanted to teach others to do this. Um and so I started teaching journaling workshops and I developed a method of journaling to help you track your intuition because I think people think of journaling and they think of well what I actually had a client at a workshop tell me, I thought journaling was vomiting all over the page and then never looking at it again. And I said, well, for some people it is and that can certainly serve its purpose. But I teach an organized method for tracking it. So it's easy to go back and track your experiences because we do kind of start to forget and start to question if we had that experience. And so that's why I say, create your own book of evidence. You know, you can't prove it didn't happen, but I can write it down and I can prove to myself I did have that experience. I did ask that angel for help. I did ask to manifest this and then this happened. Um, and then understanding the way it works and then also understanding our blocks. I think that's why the Reiki came in because it also helped me realize that a lot of people who are very, very psychic, just naturally, they've built up all these blocks and they have different blocks in their energy field out of fear or out of past experiences. So Reiki can be so helpful in undoing, you know, clearing that and helping them heal that. So it's just kind of interwoven in everything I would say. (laughs)
3: So is that where the, that's where the book came out of trying to help? Yes.
2: Understand. Yeah. So I, um, I, after teaching workshops uh, for several years, journaling workshops, I teach templates for setting it up to make it easy and kind of how I use this method. I call it whole life journaling. Um, Cause it's kind of incorporating your whole life. I've had so many times where I write down all my to-do list and I think I have no idea how I'm going to get this done today with everything I have going on. And I'll ask the angels for help. And then somebody will call me and offer to pick up my kids from school so I can save an hour there. Or somebody else will call and say, did you hear about this new software? And it will help you And all of a sudden at the end of the day, all the things are checked. And, um, or what I would find and is healthy too, is if it doesn't get checked off for a long time, maybe the angels are letting you know, this isn't your highest interest to do this project or to go on this lunch meeting or whatever it is. So it's another way to see the way we're being guided in our daily life. But my people would say to me, well, this is fun and all, but could you just do it for me? Could you just create a journal that has the templates and everything? So I call it book of evidence, but it's actually a journal. And in the first part is a chapter on how to use it. And I'm in the process of working on an e-course to actually show it because I used to teach these in person, obviously, pre-pandemic and everything everything went online, but it, it became really fun because I got to meet people from all over. And um, so that's the main purpose behind this was to give you, you know, something that you can get started with. If you're just getting started learning your language with your angels or learning how to track your intuition, it's a template and it's a step-by-step process. So yeah, we just released it in March, just getting going with all that. So I appreciate you asking me about that.
3: Oh yeah, no, it looked interesting. Uh, with your Mars in Gemini, and Saturn conjunction North Node in um, Virgo, I mean, you're a scribe, like the fact that you kind of came to this with like automatic writing and all this kind of stuff, um, making templates, this, there's, this isn't happening, students, it's like exactly, I mean, you don't need me to tell you, this was like, oh, it's right in your turn, good job. Um, just keep on helping people know how to be their own like news reporter, I guess that's the thing sometimes. Especially, I mean, I'll have like flashes of insight of be like, oh, it's a great idea for a song, I don't write it down. It's
1: like gone. You know. Yes. So, Physically um, speaking, you yeah. know, in, su- in certain ways one could say one never has any sway over whether it is really possible or viable to convince anybody else, but ultimately all that matters within the idea that belief systems do create your own reality is whether you believe it yourself you know whether you can prove it to yourself so i think this approach you know is just about perfect because once one understands metaphysical principle it doesn't matter anymore if your friends former maybe or family or whoever you had issues with is approving of what you're doing because if you believe it yourself and you understand enough of the basics then you know you just enter the flow of synchronicity and you can even keep track of it so
2: (laughs) well and i forgot to mention with i've to Ask, answer your question about the life between lies. One of the guidance I was given by my high council was I came here. One of my purposes, that thing that I didn't know how to answer at age 13 was to create a bridge because we have gotten very new age in some ways, and, various, and a lot of people have really clung to old traditions. And, and a lot of us beings coming here now, incarnating now, and in the work that you guys are doing, it's all about kind of bringing it back to a place where what you just said, Raphael, we can really believe it because it was our experience. And, um, so I felt like, like to your point, Jim, the scribe energy definitely resonates what you just said, because it's definitely about writing it down. And then I feel like that's creating new neural pathways for more experiences as well. It's that physical, you know, writing it down. I've had a lot of people say, well, can't I just track it on my phone? Well, sure you can, but, (laughs) Ooh, I love that. (laughs)
1: Also scribe energy, Ganesh.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He puts your writer's block in. He takes your writer's block out, I guess. Do the hokey pokey <laughs> with the creative flow. Um, well, Devin, it's been a real pleasure getting you on. I'll have to check out that book. Um, we're going to get you back on here at some point. You're a real to. Texas star. Good so job. much fun. Yeah, so man. much
2: fun. Such, such a pleasure right? chatting with both of you. Thank you so uh, much. Uh,
3: well, thanks for being open to the experience. And if Absolutely. there's any, um, we will put your website. I just think I saw it. Um, if there's any like kind of last minute, you know, song and dance, you want to give a shtick to where people could find you or how you want to be contacted, what projects you're up to, um, now is the time to kind of say that, uh, like you just said, the book's kind of getting into e-com- or e-courses or e or whatever that'd be dope, but I took yeah. that out. Um, well, so yeah, plug yourself, and then any like last sentiment. It's not like an epitaph or anything, but you know, like
2: last. Okay, sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes, you can reach me through my website, devondewer. Um, but and I'm also on YouTube and um, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. But I, for people who are just getting started or just interested in learning about angels, I do offer a free monthly event called Online Coffee with Devin. It's the second Wednesday of the month. We actually just had ours yesterday, um, where it's a free Q&A, we get together, you get to meet other people who love angels. I like to think of it as a round table where we share intuitive experiences. It doesn't have to be just about angels, but um, it's kind of creating that space for people who used to be like me and didn't have anyone to talk about it <laughs> with and, and and work through their experiences. So I'd love to invite you there just to, just to, like we said, hear other people's experiences. And um, that's because that's really my purpose for to empower others to do this on their own And I'm just, I love connecting with others who do this type of work. So feel free to join me there. And if, as far as my, my main message that I'm really trying to get across is give your future self a gift and write down your experiences, write them down. Don't be afraid of some, somebody reading it later. You know, I, I also talk about, you don't have to write it down in a way that would embarrass you down the road, but, but you could summarize it and you could put some things in there where it's. It's really creating that neural pathway to continue to have those experiences. And then when you start to lose confidence in your abilities, you can go back and reread it and see how far you've come. That's the main big, uh, thing, how much you've grown.
1: To complement what you've just said in my frame of reference, the so-called future self is actually understood properly the very same as your own higher self. Mm-hmm. So in this way, you would actually make a gift to your own higher etheric aspect even within the now, simply by opening up exactly this pathway and actually noticing all the amazing synchronicities that you are in conjunction with your own higher self manifesting in each and every now. So it is true in both senses in this way. So thank you very much. I'll just say one thing really quick.
3: Uh, It's funny because uh, he was a Christian, um, I think a mathematician or a philosopher, but his name is Blaise Pascal. Have you ever heard of Pascal's wager? He's like, oh, look, you know, if there's a God, and you put your money on that. And there is a God, cha-ching. If there's no God, whatever. If there's no, you know, if you don't think there's a God, there's no God, whatever. And if there is a God, and you don't believe in it, you know, basically the most reasonable choice would be to be a theist. I guess and it's called Pascal's wager. Um, anyway, Blaise Pascal, he had written on the side of his jacket i don't remember it exactly but it's like you know that night that my soul was burning like basically what you're talking about he he and no one saw it until after he was dead they were like burying him he's like what's this and it was like a tennis jacket or something i don't know how to read this but it's like we need to give ourselves reminders i mean that's the reason i even do t- uh the posts I do on Facebook and stuff is like little sticky notes of aesthetic kind of wisdom or whatever, just for myself, mostly where it's like, Oh yeah, this is a crazy trip and you don't know shit and it's a fun ride and there's paradox and Oh my God, it's, it's inspiring and it's horrifying. And it's everything in between. Um, so yeah, just yeah. that kind of thought came to mind where it's like, you don't have to be loud about it necessarily, but even just having like little, um, words of encouragement in your wallet or, you know, whatever, like you, you can do these things and have little, Anecdotes of your journey to remind you at times when you are uh in that you know uh, kind of like Joseph. The, yeah, like if you're sometimes we're just dry. It's like, damn, I need an inspiring word, or I need you know, I need something, and it's not. It could be a burning bush moment. It might just be something that you've told yourself before, and now you're remembering it. It's like, oh yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of the Bible in a way. It's like the people of Israel, like God has done these things before, and we've written it down, and we're evidencing it to ourselves now. You know, so we exactly. <laughs> it's so, so true. Yeah. So uh, I do appreciate you coming on. Um, guys, she's Team Rabbit as fuck, obviously. So hit her up and I will totally check out that uh, monthly Wednesday night thing or whatever. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in. Oh, we'd love
2: to there. have you there. Absolutely. So, You're like, always guys, invited, both of you.
3: <laughs> team Rabbit Hole, further and further. And that's what we do. So check it out and enjoy the fucking ride. Thank wow, you
1: thank very you. much for joining us. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Catch y'all next time.
2: Enjoy yeah. yourselves. Thank you.